Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Yeah, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days, and you can also find the podcast version there, or go to michaeldeacon.com for other help. Joining me tonight, Dan Willis is here, live and direct. He is one of the Disclosure Project's top-secret military witnesses that testified at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. back in 2001. A world disclosure event, which was asking for a congressional hearing in order to bring forth witness scientists within the black projects who can release these technologies that have been hidden for over 60 years. Now, on the second half of the program, Patrick White returns once again. He's got a very powerful story to tell, so powerful that he will never speak of this ever again after tonight. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. As always, thank you to those here in America and those outside of America for your great support. Really appreciate that. Hello, everyone out there. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I took so long. I was trying to fix the live stream on YouTube, and it was not having it. I'm not quite sure why. Everything was working fine earlier. And, of course, it's been one incredible week yet again. Pat yourselves on the back. We've survived. So far, no one's been stabbed, robbed, shot. I know whose week wasn't so great. Those lovely people out there who were gunned down in Pittsburgh. My heart goes out to those caught in the line of fire. Now I believe Dan is on hold. Let's bring him in. Dan, are you still there? I am. My goodness, I'm sorry I took so long. That's no problem. Yeah, I was trying to fix the live stream on YouTube, but that did not work out. Those platforms, <laughs> they're not always reliable, are they? No, they're terrible. Too terrible. But regardless, here we are, and I'm glad you could be on the program, Dan. And uh, Are we live? Yeah, we're live now. Oh, awesome. Hey, good to be on your show. I'm kind of uh, looking forward to tonight talking about whatever, wherever we decide to go. Oh, yeah. For sure. So much to get into here tonight. And, of course, there was a tragedy that struck earlier in Pittsburgh 
I'm not quite sure if you've been following that, but I think yeah, you might have. I saw that. You saw that. What do you think about that? I haven't dug into it deeply. Um, seems to be a whole lot of activity happening before uh, before the midterms, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a little strange, to say the least. A little strange. Not quite sure what to make of that, but of course that is a very tragic thing that happened. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely don't like to hear that. Now, of course, Dan, so much to get into, but of course I'd like to talk briefly about your background here. I think that would be pretty important for those out there who have never heard of you before, Dan. Well, I'm not famous or well-known or anything. I'm I'm just one witness of hundreds of witnesses. Um, I was one of 20 witnesses that uh, went before the mainstream media of the world back in uh, May 9th of 2001 in Washington, D.C. at the National Press Club. Um, each one of us, uh, we brought about a con- what the hearing was for is for a congressional hearing regarding uh, the extraterrestrial reality, as well as illegal rogue uh, secret government operations that are going on, withholding technologies and, and so forth. Um, what uh, my testimony was when I was in the naval communications back in 1969, I had a high-level top-secret security clearance and worked at the uh, naval communications station in San Francisco. Um, I was in charge of the code room and, you know, took thousands of messages. And one, uh, one day a message came in from a ship that, uh, was reporting its location off of, uh, coast of Alaska that the crew visually witnessed coming off of Port Bow, a, uh, saucer. <clears throat> that was about 70 feet in diameter. It was, uh, glowing reddish orange. It uh, merged out of the ocean, shot straight up into space. Uh, the radar operator on the ship tracked the blips, estimated about 7,000 miles per hour. This is 1969. This was a secret priority-level message going to Chief of Naval Operations in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> I attempted to get documentation of this uh, communication through the Office of Naval Intelligence, Uh but they informed me that it's been destroyed, and like a lot of the other witnesses, uh, <clears throat> you know, such as John Callahan, who was the head of FAA division, where he had all this information that the CIA confiscated. <clears throat> he had backups of all the information. He brought it there. Uh, let's see, there was um, Captain uh, Robert Salas, who was in charge of nuclear uh, 10 nuclear tip ICBM missiles. He was 60 feet underground. Uh, and a disc came over. The guards were, had all the weapons drawn. It was glowing red. It shut down in rapid succession all the missiles. He brought all the, uh, documentation from the Air Force Office of Special Investigation. Uh, Commander, Navy Commander Bethum, who was sitting next to me, he, um, was also, by the way, the pilot that flew Admiral Byrd down, you know, for the first time. He, uh, brought all his, uh, documentation from the, um, Office of Naval Intelligence. Uh, we had Carl Wolf, who unfortunately he just recently died in a bicycle accident. Uh, a large truck hit him. Oh my God. Yeah. And he, um, he had a very profound testimony. Before we went to the moon, <clears throat> there was a lunar orbiter project where they were mapping, making a mosaic of both the side of the moon that we see and the far side that we never see. 
Um, he very clearly saw, you know, domes, mushroom-shaped buildings, towers, whole structures on the other side of the moon. And he gave his testimony. He says, here it is, 30 years ago today, and I hope to hear about it on the evening news tonight. You know, of course, it's 47 years now. I've never heard about it on the evening news. Um we have uh, Donna Hare worked with uh, NASA for 20 years, where they're airbrushing the UFOs out before they release them to the public. She had a secret clearance working there. And uh, the astronauts are told to keep secret what actually happened on the moon, you know, different from what the public perceived happened on the moon back in 1969. Uh, we have uh, Sergeant Clifford Stone, who was involved uh, with uh, retrieval cases and interacting with all these extraterrestrials. And uh, by 1989, when he got out, they, the government had categorized 57 different species of uh, extraterrestrials. Um, we had testimonies that uh, several uh, presidents, CIA directors, heads of Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, have all been denied access to this project. Uh, we have the witnesses we're willing to bring forth in an open congressional hearing to show that we had pollution-free energy devices that could end our need for these dangerous, obsolete technologies of nuclear oil and coal that have been hidden away for 70 years. Uh, you know, just on and on. Each one of us, by the way, we each stated that we were willing to testify under oath before the congressional hearing. There was 22 cameras in the back row. All the mainstream media was there, you know, CNN, ABC, you know, the whole networks. Um, <clears throat> you know, afterward, what happened was... Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was so naive. I didn't even know what Operation Mockingbird was when I was, you know, up there at the podium. And, you know, this, this was like the largest event in the history of the National Press Club. Uh, I had no idea how they would do what the intelligence community call limited hangout, where when uh, CNN's kind of like the flagship of uh, <laughs> controlling the information, they... Uh, they made it sound like, oh, is there life on other planets? So <laughs> right. I think there's, there's proof there is. And uh, they, they want to have President Bush to take notice. They want to have congressional hearings into the matter, you know, and, and they play it like that. So it made it sound, you know, without all the explosive testimony, like if any one piece of any of the 20 witnesses got out there, uh, you know, it would really make people start to – start to wonder and think about all this. Uh, but they did what's called the limited hangout, which made it sound like, okay, yes, they did cover it, but they made it sound as though, you know, the whole purpose of collecting over 500 witnesses since 1993 to go before the mainstream media was to have a congressional hearing on the reality of UFOs. When in fact, uh, you know, Dr. Stephen Greer, who was the director of the, the whole event, um, he went, how this whole thing happened, how this whole event came about was because our government has been infiltrated and because of agreements that were made back in 1955 during the Eisenhower era that, uh, basically uh, you know, when, when Eisenhower had to set up a new MJ-12 operation different than the original one that was set up with Truman, 
making Alan Dulles the head, and that they moved all their operations from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base over to Area 51 and S-4. Certain agreements were made so that uh, Eisenhower then... Uh, Nelson Rockefeller basically did the restructuring of the CIA MJ-12 operations and restructured it so Eisenhower didn't have any jurisdiction. And so uh, he was denied access. You know, he even tried to, uh, he threatened to invade Area 51 if they didn't allow, you know, some CIA agents go over or give them a report what's going on. Then uh, Kennedy was denied access as, you know, 10 days after he tried to get information on the MJ-12 activities, uh, you know, he was assassinated. And there was a um, MJ-12 burn memo, which Alan Dulles put together as MJ-1, that said that, you know, Lancer, code word for, M- for uh, JFK, is looking into our activities. This we must not allow. And they, they put a, an assassination directive in it. And so many years go by after... Uh, after Kennedy, they seem to be putting compliant presidential candidates like LBJ, uh, who escalated the war in Vietnam. I, so I had to go there in combat action back in 1970. You were there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was on, uh, I was in communications on the river. Uh, we were, uh, a repair barge that was going up and down the Mekong River and, um, patching up the uh, riverboats as they got shot up. And I was in charge of the communications and taking care of uh, that stuff. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I had no idea. And another thing that I had no clue about you was that you are basically near where I'm from. Uh, You're right there in San Diego, or you used to be at one time. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty much grew up and raised in San Diego. Um, You know, my, my father was a career Marine and uh presidential awards was in World War Two and Korea War and then, you know I actually didn't want to go to Vietnam. That's why I panicked and went in the Navy because I wanted to I was interested in radio and communications. Right. When I was a kid I was into ham radio, you know, and stuff like that and so I could copy code really fast in my head. So I was a certified high speed code operator. That's why they made me in charge of the of the code room. Yeah, that, that's but, that's very interesting, and that's one thing I did want to ask you was that you do have a background as a broadcast engineer, and of course you were involved with ABC at one time. Tell me about all that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was a broadcast engineer for the most powerful FM station on the West Coast, and I have a highest class license, I have a first class commercial, extra class amateur, and I. Uh, you know, maintained the station's transmitter, 151,000 watts. You know, my hair was fried on that. But I wanted to uh, get back to the uh, the idea of what, why the National Press Club event happened in the first place and about the denial of, it was because of the denial of access. You know, Jimmy Carter, one of the witnesses, Daniel Sheehan, was there and, and testified that uh, CIA director George H.W. Bush denied the president, uh, President Jimmy Carter, access to the UFO files. Uh, was many years went by, and because of Lawrence Rockefeller wanting to release the files during the Clinton era, Clinton had a CIA director, James Woolsey, try to gain access, and he was denied access. So you have this long history of presidents ever since Eisenhower 
of being denied access into the UFO extraterrestrial files. And so, um, uh, you know, the CIA director said, you know, well, how can we possibly disclose what we don't have access to? And so Dr. Greer met with some military advisors, and he decided not to collect, a, you know, just a dozen witnesses, but to collect hundreds of witnesses. I was like the hundredth videotaped witness. Um, and so from 1993 till about the year 1997, Dr. Greer met at the Pentagon with uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, to the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which was uh, Vice Admiral Tom Wilson, who was shown a list of these unacknowledged special access programs, which is how they hide all this stuff. And he was, uh, he tried, he found out they were real. He found out he, the head of the, head of the intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I mean, you don't get any higher than that, uh, was being denied access. And he said, well, the hell, I don't have access. I'm the head of intelligence. And he told Dr. Greer, he said, if you can get your people to go before the the media, the mainstream media, you have my permission. This group is illegal, quote unquote. And so uh, that's what greenlighted the uh, uh, disclosure project press conference on May 9th, 2001. Just so give you some uh, some background on that. Which is which is much more interesting than my uh, broadcasting career. But I also worked uh, after seven years as a broadcast engineer. I worked for 13 years at the Naval Electronic Engineering Center on all the government's electronics and military satellite communication systems and things. So I have a pretty good technical background. In fact, uh, I've got such a good technical background that I, uh, after the Bush administration denied a congressional hearing to bring forth the scientists, which could prove, you know, put it on the table, show that it works, uh, that we have a solution to get off of these dangerous, obsolete technologies. Dr. Greer set up a corporation, and for 10 years, I flew around the planet with uh, Professor Ted Loiter, um, and we uh, met with many scientists and inventors. We had a database of about 300. We're trying to bring these out through the, you know, there's a, the stuff in the black projects is like light years beyond what most civilian inventors. But there's a lot of brilliant minds on this planet. But what happens is uh, everybody that comes up with a solution <clears throat> that even includes uh, anti-gravity or free energy or anything like that, yeah. uh, they get a national security order, which there's thousands of them being issued. And you can't <clears> – excuse me. They're basically um, – they have a secrecy gag order. And they can't share it with the world, and it's very frustrating. So after 10 years of seeing, uh, you know – People threatened, people murdered, uh, national security orders. You know, I've seen things work. Um, I just sort of uh, given up on that on that aspect. I'm hoping that the elements that are been playing behind the scenes that are this corrupt uh, elements that have basically infiltrated our society uh, that uh, you know I didn't have any I didn't have any hope, uh, Michael. I, I I realized that the mainstream media has been effectively completely infiltrated and controlled from the highest levels. Uh, you know, I was on CNN and CBS did an interview with me, uh, exclusive that I told them 
I wasn't willing to do this interview unless I could say we have these scientists that can prove we have a solution and energy and environmental crisis that's clean and non-polluting. They promised up and down, interviewed me for 45 minutes. The only thing, it came like a cookie cutter, just like uh, CNN did. We are not alone. Uh, this, you know, da, da, da. And the only thing I got to say was, you know, we've reached a critical point where the truth needs to be revealed to the people, but uh, the truth never never got broadcast. And the producer of the show, she was like so apologetic, but she said, "I'm I'm so sorry. I know I apology. I I, I, uh, I promised, but the higher executives made me cut that part out. And if you understand, the higher executives are all intelligence agency." It's all the CIA tied into billions of dollars of think tanks that are working on engineering everybody's uh, perceptions and consent, you know, through the, uh, you know, like there's like five main corporations that control mostly everything you see and hear on, uh, on television. Um, you know, so uh, the only way we can do this is probably get this message out through alternative uh, avenues through the Internet, you know, like your show. <laughs> right. And, well, you said a lot there, but I, I do have to go back to Stephen Greer, some of the things that he has been taking heat for, along with anyone who really does talk about disclosure, uh, like Stephen Bassett. He's another gentleman who's been taking lots of heat, especially here on this program. Lots of individuals very upset with him because of his alleged alliance with one of the Clintons, as bizarre as that sounds. That's something that's been echoed to me for, I'm not even quite sure why. I just thought I'd throw that out there to you, Dan, and see what you thought about that. <clears throat> oh, you mean about Bassett and right. the Clinton? And all them and the whole disclosure thing going on, especially with... Well, well Stephen Bassett invited me. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the 2013 citizens' hearing which, you know, just two weeks prior to that was a Boston bombing, so all that went off the radar. And uh, just like uh, four months after the May 9th, 2001 press club happened, uh, a catalyzing, catastrophic event happened on 9-11, which, of course, you know, took everything off the radar on that. Uh, so <clears throat> I know that, you know, uh, Bassett was supporting Hillary, uh, for being the disclosure president. Correct. Because she yes. was involved with, you know, the Lawrence Rockefeller initiative and everything like that, uh, ties in with, uh, Lawrence. It was different than the rest of the Rockefellers. <laughs> he actually wanted disclosure. Um, you know, yeah, I've never vibed with that because, uh, you know, back in the mid fifties, back in 1954, you know, they started the, uh, a former Nazi SS officer, Prince Bernhard in the Netherlands, started the yearly secretive Bilderberg meetings, of which, you know, she was, uh, for the, uh, uh, the last, uh, Bilderberg meeting there in Germany, she, she was basically their choice for president, and, uh, I think they were shocked, uh, totally took them by surprise, unexpected that, uh, you know, Trump got elected. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get on all the politics, but, uh. That's okay. We could do that here. This is a free, <laughs> a free safe space for open discussion. I thought we could talk about all of that because, of course, like you were mentioning earlier about 9-11, I always say on this program that was the day where 
the foundation of America was completely turned upside down. You know, it, I'm I'm speculating here, but I think when 9/11 happened, I think that crossed a red line for what was set up back all the way back in 1955 with Eisenhower, because Eisenhower was forced into agreement with uh, basically a Nazi infiltration and the corporations that were tied in with the industrial military complex that they were tied in with. And what happened was he uh, he was afraid that in the future that our legal constitutional form of government would eventually be just taken over. Everybody remembers his famous farewell address in 1961. You know, only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry, you know, can protect our future, you know, freedoms and liberties of the unwarranted influences within the industrial military complex. Um, what he did was he set up a secret uh, U.S. Marine Corps intelligence unit that would become active in the future if it ever got, the corruption ever got so out of hand. And, you know, I've been, <clears throat> you know, ever since I went to the press club back in 2001, I've been, uh, you know, wondering how this whole thing came about, you know, being an ex-ABC newsman, you know, right, right. for the station I was working, I was like, whoa, you know, how how did this not become a world-changing event? And so, you know, I've been researching over the years, and, you know, basically I thought, well, uh, you know, it, you can't get anything changed through the mainstream media. It's completely compromised. You try to um, I, by the way, I traveled after the National Press Club with Dr. Greer in all the major cities in the west coast of the United States, you know, Colorado, San Diego, L.A., San Francisco, uh, you know, Portland, Eugene, you know, all, all the major cities. We rented huge halls. We had the executive briefing video, you know, after the press club we met with few dozen senators and congresspeople. We gave them a four-hour briefing video and a 500-page executive briefing document, which none of them, I think, even cracked it. Uh, basically, the attitude on Capitol Hill was uh, oh, not on my watch, you know. <laughs> it was a hot potato. They don't, nobody wants to touch it. Um, but what happened was uh, when we went to these major cities, we were asking people, to write their, their representatives and, and let them know that, you know, here we have hundreds of, you know, admirals, captains, astronauts, you know, and just across the board and military intelligence and as well as people in the corporate sector, hundreds of witnesses coming forth and, and the implications of it. And uh, basically, um, you know, I ended up becoming the webmaster for uh, the disclosure DisclosureProject.org site. And so I decided to stay up all night with a programmer friend and a pizza, and we uh, made an online fax so that people could automatically, you know, contact their representatives. I even got a database for all the, the embassies around the world. And uh, we had about 30,000 faxes go in, you know, to the president and, and uh, all the members of Congress and senators. And and so I was asking people, since I had my fingers into the website, you know, to uh, send me the responses from the from your representatives. I, I want to post it on so everybody can see how our senators and representatives are responding to this issue, right? And so after I got about 
Oh, how many was it? At least uh, 52 of them or 53, I, which you, you everybody can look and see them. I posted up on the, the webmatrix.net. You can view them all there in the um, timeline. Um, basically, it started to form a pattern where um, official letters of denial from, like, they, they passed on from NASA and Project Blue Book with the Air Force and many of them is, well, thank you very much. We'll keep your views in mind if we ever have congressional hearings on the extraterrestrial matter. Some people said, oh, you've been a victim of an Internet hoax. Uh, there's no, no, no background on these people whatsoever. They have no, nothing credible. Uh, other people would, uh, you know, show some interest. But you can tell, like, most people <laughs> – I remember one, uh, uh, one congressional representative said that uh, – you know there's a secret government in charge of this, you know, which never surprised me, you know, coming from one of our representatives, you know, because it's, it's interesting that uh, the famed White House correspondent, Sarah McClendon, who was one who actually sponsored the uh, National Press Club event, she, when she was with Clinton, she asked him, well, why aren't you doing anything for UFO disclosure? And he said, quote, Sarah, there's a secret government within the government, and I don't control it, unquote. Yeah, that would at times be referred to as the shadow government, sometimes even the cabal. Yeah, you know, so how can we ever change this? If all the representatives are basically out of the loop, you can imagine if presidents, CIA directors, the heads of the Joint Chiefs of Staff are out of the loop, they're not going to, you know, they will give some front project or something that's, uh, you know, to a, uh, senator or congressman how are you ever going to change this and uh, you know I'll, I'll tell you you know i'm back in november of last year when this uh first post came out of the uh 4-8 chan of q you know which all the mainstream media is demonizing right now and saying oh it's a unhinged fringe conspiracy group you know that uh there's a bunch of bunch of right wingers are just trying to get trump elected and there's nothing to it and they're all like deranged conspiracy theorists you know uh when i started when i started looking at what they were saying and starting to look at the actions that trump is doing for example um a couple of interesting things happened back in 2017 uh in november of 2017 the u.s marine corps uh had a um uh, uh forget what kind of a division it is. It's where the helicopters full of troops. I think they had a whole whole a whole lot of helicopters anyway, flying for a full thirty minutes over CIA headquarters in Langley. Basically to tell the CIA to back off on the um the the situation that Obama was setting up in the Middle East where we're providing all these weapons and things going into the Syrian freedom fighters that are going right into the hands of al-Qaeda and ISIS that's being used against our guys, killing them. And so basically it was uh, to back off type of thing. So that made me think, whoa, maybe there is a Marine Corps intelligence unit here working here. But the the, the biggest one was uh, on December 21st, 2017, uh, Trump signed an executive order of freezing the access, the assets rather, of anyone doing 
human rights abuse or corruption, which, you know, read anybody in the deep state cabal is basically involved with. And so on the exact same day that that was signed, uh, uh, General, um, General Mathis, you know, the Secretary of Defense flew down with a thousand Marines with $500 million to expand Guantanamo Bay facilities, you know, and, and then, uh, later on, they, I forget the exact date, but amendments are made to the Uniform Code of Military Justice to the court martials proceeding. In other words, uh, as, uh, Senator Lindsey, uh, Graham was saying to, uh, you know, Judge Kavanaugh that, you know, because of, he had a little conversation that, that went on YouTube. I don't know if you caught it, but he was saying that because of 9-11, we have been in a state of war. And when you do treasonous activities during a state of war, it justifies the use of not uh, criminal law, but military law. In other words, uh, now the last count of sealed indictments was 50... 51,700 and some sealed indictments. That's like, uh, I think it's like 5,000 sealed indictments a, a month. And the normal amount is like a thousand and something a, a year. <laughs> you know, so in fact, the Nuremberg trials of Nazi Germany were only 1,800 indictments. And here we have, and I think it's because of, um, Admiral Mike Rogers, you know, the head of the NSA. You know, when he, he he spilled the beans, you know, to to Trump that they were spying on him, you know, because of the uh, you know the phony uh, the Russian dossier that they used to justify the spying, and so um, and so what's happened is the White Hats, I guess you could call it, for lack of a better term, uh, because it's it's not our government, it's not our military, it's not our intelligence, it's not you know when people say oh the government's doing this or that. There's lots of good people that are in our military, in our intelligence community. And I think what happened was they're using the NSA, the massive surveillance capability, using quantum computers and backdoors to just about everything you can imagine that communicates on this planet to be stored in yottabytes of uh, storage up there in uh, uh, Bluffdale, Utah, um, be used against them. And I think that's probably with the incredible surveillance capability i think they've been uh, been able to identify a lot of these uh corrupt cabal individuals that have been doing human rights abuse that's why there's been so many uh, pedophile operations been that you purposely don't see on the mainstream media yeah, there's a lot of that. About. oh yes absolutely and so uh now michael I I have hope. <laughs> how do you I have, have? I have. Yeah. How do you have, I have hope? hope now? Yeah. Tell me about. I that. have. I have hope because we now have a um, a vehicle because of this executive order, because of the military tribunals, because of the thousands of sealed indictments. Uh, we have the possibility that using the rule of law, not doing anything illegal here, but but we have an extremely psychologically divided uh, American public that has been um, uh, has their perceptions manipulated and ha- in divisive ways, as pitting people 
against each other, and they're, everybody's innocent. They, they don't realize that uh, we've been under psychological warfare, you know, ever since, uh, you know, Operation Mockingbird and beyond. Well, since 1947, the CIA's inception, since those days, and of course, how can anyone forget that they were very busy getting rid of the Syrian government? The CIA loves overthrowing governments. That's That's what they do. And as uh, the man who created the CIA, you know, Harry S. Truman, I had about 30 days after, um, you know, after they murdered uh, Kennedy, he said, you know, uh, you know, the CIA doesn't have to account to anybody. They're all running on their own and all secret. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but to, in essence, saying that, uh, you know, you don't have any control of this group. They can do anything they want behind the scenes. And, you know, he wanted to shut down the CIA. Uh, he, he saw it as a, as a peacetime liability. But because um, the OSS, uh, Alan Dulles, along with General Wild Bill Donovan, <coughs> they were working, they brought in uh, General Reinhard Gellin, head of Nazi intelligence, and uh, they had all these uh, microfiches of Soviet intelligence because Truman had this fear of, uh, you know, Stalin and the Soviets. And so they had all this intelligence hidden away up in the mountains. And so they used it as a bargaining chip <clears throat> to bring this intelligence in order to bring 3,000 Nazi spies into the CIA. You know, and they effectively infiltrated NASA. They infiltrated the pharmaceutical industries, you know, which, you know, came in after, you know, IG Farben and everything was split up during the uh, uh, the war tribunals were happening into some of the major household names of corporations like Bayer, um, and so we effectively and and you know the Nazis had this plan to infiltrate after the war. Uh, it was called Falkenschallenskrieg, uh, <clears throat> which means worldview warfare, which meant that they. And they did. They rewrote history so that school children or historians in the future would have no idea of, you know, they did like a limited hangout, you could say, with history. A lot of the stuff is true, but they leave out some of the most important, crucial parts, and that's, you know, the Nazis escaping, taking all their operations and everything, moving down to Antarctica. Right. That... Uh, Xavier Dorsch, who was uh, Hitler's mastermind on the huge, massive underground facilities, which they were using slave labor for Heinrich Himmler's empire of slaves, that he called it. And uh, they brought him over about 1946, right after the war, to start uh, tunneling and boring in New Mexico uh, near the Monzano Mountains. Now there's, uh, you know, it's Phil Snyder, uh, who was suicided. Said, you know, he back way back then. He said there were like over 129 of these deep underground bases uh, that are connected by maglev trains. And so, you know, you have operations, you know, in Antarctica. You have operations right underneath our feet, you know, here, so that's out of sight. And a lot of it are using, uh, you know, slave operations. Yeah, that's interesting uh, you say that. By the way, I'm sorry to cut you off, but going back to what John Lear said. On a very earlier episode, he talked about underground naval facilities connecting to different parts of the ocean around the world and, or around the United States here rather. 
And I always thought that's, that is very fascinating. And hearing you go on about this, that just reminded me about that. Oh yeah, like the submarine base out there in Nevada and the, Correct. the desert. Right. <laughs> that's, that's incredible, right? Who would have known? Oh, uh, well, there's, uh, there's a huge massive underwater structuring going on that, uh, uh, you know, according to some witnesses, I have no way of referencing documents or anything on some of this stuff other than, um, you know, I've been studying, you know, I've studied all the, uh, with the many of the witnesses that I became involved with. I, I call them the, uh, you know, 20th century witnesses, you know, sort of nuts and bolts kind of guys, you know, that, you know, seen, uh, you know, shutting down nuclear things. We have documentation. We have different things. And all of a sudden, you know, in the turn of the century, the 21st century guys are the, the 20 and back, uh, secret space program witnesses that are coming out. And, uh, you know, when, uh, Corey Good came out, I just thought, well, maybe this is just a DDT operation, you know, the CIA. A DDT stands for decoy, distract, trash. In other words, you bring somebody in, has a story, and it associates with everybody else. And then what happens, you you find out it's all BS. And so it trashes everything, you know. Right. And I was uh, just about to ask you about characters of that nature, like Corey Good and Tom DeLong. I was trying to get around to that, and I didn't know when exactly would be the right time. But since we are talking about this, the media went crazy talking about uh, disclosure and it had everyone up in arms. Some people were expecting Donald Trump to be the quote-unquote disclosure president. That goes back to Stephen Bassett talking about uh, Bill and Hillary wanting to have that prestigious role, which they were stonewalled, apparently. Well, <clears throat> yeah, there is a, um, yeah, the associations that that camp has, you know, doesn't doesn't look like a very good, uh, projection for the future of all humanity, actually, you know. So, um, I kind of like the timeline that we're currently on. It feels much more hopeful. But, you know, while we're on the subject, you know, the only, uh, you know, I did work, did some work with Dr. Michael Sala, who's a scholar on a lot of the stuff on the subject of exopolitics. It was actually, he was inspired by the, uh, National Press Club event to actually, get into studying it and he got fired from the university because of his interest in it and so he he does it full time but i did some work with a detective friend of mine looking at freedom of information act documents on william tompkins and tompkins is really well documented uh in fact i have a lot of his documentation you know up on the webmatrix.net you can go in the secret space program section it's just my online note i don't do anything you know, the, the CIA put out a thing after the Kennedy assassination to call people who were questioning things conspiracy theorists and that they have ulterior motives for financial interest and stuff like that. And so I have never, and in fact, I even paid for my own way to go to Washington. I paid for my own hotel, my own flights and everything to go there. I didn't get any compensation. Um, and I still haven't. I haven't made one penny off this. I never want to associate any money with this message. Uh, and I think it's wise, you know, I mean, you know, I respect people who write books that are, you know, do scholarly research that help educate the public. I totally support that. Um, but, you know, William Tompkins, if you look at his testimonies, um, 
a lot of what uh, the other witnesses, secret space program witnesses, I guess you'd call them, um, it uh, matches a, a lot. There's little discrepancies here and there, but for the only thing that's like a rock solid uh, testimony with all of the rest of them is William Tompkins' testimony. Uh, and as far as as far as you know, the the other witnesses in the 20th century, there's tons of documentation. There's, there's so many witnesses, and if you if you look at all the witness testimonies and you look at all the revealed documents and you put that as your foundational base, um, you know you've got you've got quite a case. Yeah, I just want to throw a random question at you right now. In terms of alien abductions, we don't necessarily hear too much about that nowadays. Would you agree or disagree with that? I agree with that. Uh, it's tapered off dramatically. Um, Isn't that interesting? Uh, well, it's kind of interesting that the, uh, the Secret Space Program witnesses said there was some kind of agreement that was made with other Alliance, extraterrestrial alliances to back off on, uh, apparently there's like, I think there's like 22 different, we're, we're kind of a genetic experiment of 22 different extraterrestrial races, you know, working with us. So we're kind of like a, you know, Heinz 57 of, uh, of, uh, of, of experimentation with all these different races. So, um, from what I understand, they they essentially have, have backed off, but I have no way of proving that. Understood, no. but now you got me curious on your opinion on human origins. Do you believe we were ever manipulated our, our DNA at, at any time? Oh, well, yeah, it seems quite evident, you know. Um, and, you know, extraterrestrial involvement has been here, you know, you know, for a long time. Probably, probably, I'm sure, way before we even uh, appeared on this planet. Yeah, very interesting. I always like to talk about human origins and what the guest has in mind of how we came to be. And I always go with the uh, one theory of uh, panspermia, of how the universe came to be, how we came to be. Just the fact that we are communicating right now is pretty extraordinary. I'd say we are the E.T. There has to be more of us out there on this uh, big universe that we have here. It would seem irrational to think otherwise. There's got to be life out there somewhere. I truly believe that, Dan. Oh, for the fact that there's such a huge abundance. I mean, talk about strange creatures. I mean, we've got, we got octopuses. We've got giraffes. We've got... Ductile platypuses, you know, we've got, we had all kinds of, you know, interesting varieties on this planet alone. And you can imagine, you know, like Clifford Stone said, you know, they, he had, he saw a book, you know, cause he had to go in and patch these guys up. You know, it happens rarely, you know, it's not a everyday event, but when they happen, you know, some of these beings are not carbon based, some of them are silicone based and some things are toxic to them. So he had a book which showed the different beings and what procedures to use for a particular race of extraterrestrials. So, um, yeah, there's, there's no question about it. And have you yourself ever witnessed anything? Yes. Um, when uh, when I uh, left my job at the Naval Electronic Engineering Center, I went up, my brother had a Hopi Indian friend who was 107 years old. We were driving up through the mountains and uh, and uh, Prescott, 
And uh, it was at night, and I was driving for hours, and I, you know, I just decided I'm going to pull over and just, you know, take a break. My brother and his wife were in the back of the truck, and he was getting out stretching. Next thing I know, my door on the driver's side flies open. He yanks me out on the road. He says, look, 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 look. And he's pointing up. And what, what, what? You know, and it was like a uh, this disc about uh, 50 feet in diameter that was about 100 feet above us, uh, glowing. Uh, it was like a white with a greenish hue to it. And it just slowly went right over us and then shot across the desert and did this right angle turn. Uh, that was the closest I've ever seen one. Um, I, I've seen them way up in the, way up in the sky. I've, I've done a number of sea study things with Dr. Greer. We've signaled them. They signal back to us and they partially materialize sometimes. Um, but way before that, I was, and you know where this is, I was up in the Laguna Mountains. Oh yes. Outside of San Diego. And, beautiful. uh, yeah, yeah, it's real beautiful up there. Um, I was, uh, with a girlfriend and I was just out. We were going to make campfire and kind of way off the beaten path. And I was, uh, gathering some stuff and then I felt this incredible, I don't know how to describe it, but in clear, in, in like somebody's a presence. Like, uh, with very clear, logical thinking or very, very intense clarity of mind. Uh, and I'm just feeling this presence and it was like, it was so intense. I, it was a beautiful night. You know, you could just see the stars look like jewels out there. And I, I raised my hand out to the sky. I was just all by myself. And, uh, and I said, you know, like this, I said, is somebody out there? You know, like that. And one of the stars started moving up and down like is in yes, and it started scintillating different colors. And I, I, I called my girlfriend over and I said, do you see what I'm seeing? And all of a sudden she got very afraid. Um, and I kind of wanted to continue. This was like 1977. Right. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to continue the communication and hopefully they would come and you know i didn't have any fear about the whole thing i was more of a curious mind about it but they don't they don't they don't intrude if you're if you you know in that if you have any fear or anything like that they back off um and then i had some i had two pretty profound uh kind of uh Kundalini uh, with a being and telling me about the relationship of uh, kind of I had two two teaching encounters that were like uh, incredibly lucid. One telling me about the, the relationship of consciousness and geometry, and and I had no I had no knowledge of any of this, uh, Michael. I didn't know what I didn't know what platonic solids were. I didn't know that platonic solids the you know, the tetrahedron, the oxyhedron, and the dodecahedron, they all fit within perfectly within each other. I had no idea. And this, like, high-speed download, all of a sudden I had this burning hunger to learn everything I could. And I started looking at the books, and I said, oh, my God, it's just like that, you know? And I just, like, one thing started connecting after another, and so I started to... uh, find the one scientist on this planet that was 
working with the aspects of geometry and consciousness working in a uh, laboratory uh, on both the substance of quartz, you know, crystals and, and water, which was Dr. Marcel Vogel. And so I, I drove up to his home in San Jose uh, in the middle of a storm at night um, and knocked on the door and there was a doctor sitting on a couch and uh, I'm sitting there. He said, oh, I said, I heard about your work, and I'm fascinated to learn more about what you're doing, because I had this hunger to try to find out what's, what's this connection with uh, geometry and consciousness. And um, anyway, make a real long story short, um, a knock came on the door, and this woman had heard that he was working with these medical doctors with crystal and healing people, and she had this tumor on her ankle that was protruding about three-quarters of an inch, and I watched him do this procedure on it and actually dematerialized it in front of our eyes. The doctor's sitting next to me. I, and you saw this. So anyway, yeah, I, uh, and because I was working with the Naval Electronic Engineering Center and he was still working, for, he was IBM's top scientist. He had like 142 patents. He discovered the magnetic coating that everybody used on, on computer high drives. He discovered the red and blue phosphors that are used in color television, liquid crystal. I mean, he was a, an incredible genius inventor. And uh, when he, re- he retired from IBM, he invited me to be a research associate, you know. And so I helped procure some of the lab equipment, like spectrophotometers. The IBM gave him the... Uh, the electron microscope that he put together from scratch. And, and so he set up a whole laboratory, and they did some pretty profound work. Um, and I got him a bunch of crystals. I went, I drove all the way, you know, from San Diego to Arkansas and, and got, like, thousands of crystals and stuff. Anyway, that was, that was a long drive. 20, oh, God, yeah, that was <laughs> a long drive. Um, and, uh, and another uh, ET experience was, like, had like on board this craft where they put me through a the spinning vortex thing that I couldn't handle it and I said I, I turned this over to my higher self and they were showing me through consciousness that um we are projecting our reality. They were able to show me they were able to raise my consciousness to a to a point where I was able to see in between the pulses of creation, so it's kind of hard to, hard to give describe, you know, an actual experience. But uh, yeah, but those were that's basically it. Not much has happened since then. <laughs> understood, understood. And since you mentioned consciousness, I am curious how you feel about this. Does consciousness exist in an inside and outside of the body? I don't believe there is an inside and outside. I believe there is a, um, a, a you know, all pervasive consciousness and that uh, the consciousness is, as uh, Max Planck, you know, the father of quantum physics said, you know, it's like it is the, uh, it, there is this intelligence of matter, which is basically basically consciousness but it seems as though each one of us in our own particular you know resonating from our dna right uh has its own we each have our own what appears to be our own uh you know individual uh you know perception as we evolve through 
this experience that we are all having. Right, and to be more uh, clear with what I was asking for, for those who were just sending me questions about that, what I meant is, when I say that, is consciousness both inside and outside of the brain is what I meant. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a very interesting concept of, of how all, all this really works, how me and you are actually having this conversation. Definitely the soul is very real. Yeah, it's, it's another day in eternity, I guess you could say. <laughs> you know? It's very strange. Um, it's we're very having strange. a... A, uh, a temporal experience in these, these bodies, but hopefully, um, you know, there's other extraterrestrial races that are living to be hundreds, thousands of years old, and you know, they look hot at age 900. So um, there is uh, something for the the human race has some, from what I understand, from you know, I just did a show with uh, one of the secret space program witnesses, Emery Smith who was working under uh, Kirkland Air Force Base, um, this base that was 172 levels deep underground, along with extraterrestrials and, and specimens and things. And, you know, there's there's technologies that, you know, we don't have to decay at the rate that we do. We Our biological age um, doesn't have to match our chronological what we're used to uh but you know i think there is uh you know well, i don't think i know there's there's technology several witnesses have uh have revealed that there's there's technologies that uh could help the human condition much better than the pharmaceutical corporations are currently doing yeah, it never seems like that sort of invention is ever for the masses well, you know, there's you know, what seven billion or whatever it is now uh, people on this planet. Um, just imagine if uh, you know, in uh, Trump's inauguration speech, he talked about you know revealing the mysteries of space and harnessing the future technologies of tomorrow and all the stuff. And you know, he his uh, his uncle, who he used to have conversations with was John Trump, who was the MIT scientist that went in in behalf of the FBI to analyze all of Tesla's papers after he died to see if there was scientifically viable information. Of course, you know, he said to the public there wasn't any, but, you know, you know better, you know. Um, so, you know, it, and he, I believe, is aware of the thousands of um of uh, national security orders that have been given that could release technology so that we could create we could create you know millions of jobs creating these little boxes that you could basically unplug your house from the grid every home and business could have one of these have all the clean power that you want uh, uh you know basically pulling from zero point energy uh, once that was accomplished, once every home and business <clears throat> had one of these installed, we could then start uh, recycling all of these power distribution lines. Everybody would be decentralized. What would happen was if we get rid of all these huge uh, power transmission lines that are running all over the planet, that if we ever, and and it's not a matter of, 
if, it's a matter of when, we get a um, corona mass ejection from the sun or get attacked by an EMP, um, all the transformers are basically explode and melt. Uh, they won't have anything back online for maybe years. That means like millions of people are going to die. And so if we get decent, everybody can de- decentralize, you know, like people in storms and things like that. Uh, yeah, the power companies aren't going to like that. Uh, plus we can decommission the uh, nuclear power plants that are highly dangerous as Fukushima has demonstrated. And from what I understand, uh, within weeks we could clean up the Pacific Ocean, which is hard for me to comprehend because we have these classified technologies that can remediate the radiation. Um, uh, you know, plus we've had Nazi Germany had anti-gravity in 1934. We didn't have it until October of 1954, as uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who testified at Stephen Bassett's citizen hearing back in 2013 in front of the uh, ex-Congress people. Um, and so, you know, we've had anti-gravity for a long time. So just imagine you could have places to live that there aren't roads or power lines to, um, and, you know, you can create water out of the air. Uh, some of the advanced technologies are even 3D printing food, uh, from what I understand from the secret space program <laughs> witnesses. You know, we're talking about really advanced technologies, which, you know, is kind of hard for a lot of people to comprehend. It sounds too science fiction. But uh, it's totally within our realm that, uh, you know, large communities could be set up so that you can have these little housing units that, they would be self-sufficient. People could grow their food. They could have a chance, you know, like the homeless people, the people who are disadvantaged. They'd, they'd have, instead of living the how they're living now, there could be like communities out. You know, they could desalinate the oceans. Uh, you could have irrigation happening. See, all these things take a lot of power, and they're very energy and expensive, you know, to do. But if we had released these technologies, uh, we can make the deserts bloom, you know, with, with growing. We can create massive, uh, you know, get rid of all this weaponized, genetically modified stuff. And, you know, everybody would have enough, you know, healthy organic food, food to live. And people could live in places that are normally not accessible. There's plenty of room on the planet. Everybody centralizes in the cities because, you know, you gotta have a job, you gotta have, you know, rent your apartment or have your house and you have to be hooked to the grid. You know, I, I live, you know, as I shared with you, I live off the grid on a mountaintop here in the Siskiyou Mountains in Oregon. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I love it. I just love living independent. You know, we're building an aquaponic greenhouse. Uh, we're going to supplement our, our garden. Um, I don't have any heating bill. I don't have any cooling bills. Um, our internet is actually free because we're a relay station for the internet. Um, you know, so I just uh, I just think you, if we have all yes. this great technology, why haven't we really been seeing that for a better cause for the people? Really, if we ever have these great inventions, it always goes directly to the military right away. And of course, if we started doing the whole free energy thing, we would basically never need the big oil companies anymore and that gets into it with the Saudis and so forth and so forth and it's just a mess. To me, I don't even know if 
society will ever recover from all the atrocities that our government has implemented since the beginning. Amazing. Well, again, when you when you say our government, Michael, you know Eisenhower was planning on having disclosure back in 1954, but uh, as one of our witnesses, uh, Brigadier General Stephen Lovkin, who was on Eisenhower's staff, one of the one of the disclosure project witnesses, uh, he said that you know Eisenhower lost control to the corporations. He knew it wasn't going to go in the best of hands, and so the corporations are the ones that took control and you know corporations in nature are you know everything for the uh bottom line for the shareholders and uh you know regardless of 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 what kind of impact to humanity you know like movies like uh you know avatar make that kind of clear you know where we uh we, we go to other planets where where the military is you know basically being used as a pawn right as uh general uh medley Butler, you know, saved us back in 1933 from uh, death camps with uh, Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, and Warburg. They were planning on uh, on basically taking over our government, and they thought they'd bring uh, Butler in as a uh, as a tool because he had all these uh, all, the, all they loved him. He was like a two-time Congressional Medal of Honor winner. Uh, but he, he went in to infiltrate the plot and expose them, you know, and he said, he wrote a book called War is a Racket, you know, basically just, you know, for the, for the bankers, they're going in, ah, uh, you know, creating these false flags and, you know, keeping, uh, like in the Golden Triangle and, uh, for the Southeast Asian wars and then for the uh, Middle Eastern wars, you've got Afghanistan poppy fields. And you've got all these sources of income that are unacknowledged. That uh, yeah, all this still goes on today. For those that don't know, the phony war on drugs still definitely exists. The drugs and armed trafficking. Anyone remember Eric Holder? And of course, this all goes back to the CIA. Their drugs for guns trade in Central America. And the, I could I could just talk about this forever, but I think you get the point. Yeah, yeah, and and so it, it warms my heart and lifts my spirit with uh, with possible hope that uh, when the, this executive order of of against people doing human rights abuse, you know, and he, you know, you have all these uh, pedophile operations, you have all these slave operations, you have the satanic operations, you know, uh, of abusing people. Um, and then you have all the corruption, which uh, takes care of everything else. Uh, if we're able to clean house, which appears what's going on, you know, there's like, there's a whole lot of people. I don't know if people notice, there's a whole lot of people being fired, you know, and uh, taken out of position because they have to get the corrupt elements out of our Department of Justice, out of our intelligence community in order to use the rule of law against those who have been doing, you know, these corrupt activities. Yeah, it's very strange that our U.S. military, we have thousands of military bases spread across this planet, and the human trafficking rings still continue uh, to this very day, and they've, they've been that, it's been this way for such a long time. I'm not quite sure how that will ever end, but this goes back to the 80s. 
Yeah, it's like uh, we've accepted this as being normal. We think, well, this is just the way the world is. I mean, uh, just there's just corruption. You just got to accept it, you know, just the way it is. But I think people are starting to come around to realize that each one of us, you know, if you understand, you know, the elements of consciousness, you understand that each one of us is like a, a fractal part of this giant hologram that, you know, if any part of the hologram is affected, it affects all parts of the hologram. And just as it's seen in nature, you know, with animals and insects and birds and bees, you know, they have like a group collective mind. The human race does as well. That's why we have people before the Internet, you know, they have inventions and ideas and people have exactly at the same time. We all pick up on it. And there's this global awakening that uh, uh, Brzezinski was, you know, back in 2012, was very afraid that there's too many people that because of the alternative media of the Internet, essentially. Uh, and that's why they are clamping down, you know, as William Binney, you know, the head codebreaker of the NSA, uh, said, you know, they're not doing anything for terrorists. They're making dossiers on everybody. And as you know, Snowden leaked, you know, they're doing perception management teams at GCHQ and ruining people's reputations. And Isn't that amazing in 2018, even 17, that something you write on the Internet, internet uh, offends someone and that person could go to your employee and get you in trouble, employer, rather. It, it's tremendous the times we live in. And for those that aren't aware, I, uh, I'm referring to Twitter a tool that is being used by the social justice warriors and the NPC types out there to really try to ruin someone's life. Well, you know, the deep state infiltrated, uh, you know, intelligence agencies that uh, when the Internet first started, which, uh, what was it, Rockefeller said it was like a bad idea the Internet ever, ever, ever started, um, they uh they initially funded you know uh Google and which you know owns YouTube and and they funded Facebook and so the CIA you know funded these guys and so they have their they have their foot in the door with them and so today we see you know just millions of accounts being purged and they started out manually but now they've got artificial intelligence algorithms that can understand what uh what you're posting what you're talking about and say and if the and if it doesn't agree with uh, the protocols that they set up whoever programs this and then it all of a sudden you know your your site or your account disappears or you say you violated the uh your account's been suspended right uh and uh and, you know and some of the engineers at Google, you know, that is before they, they used to have the motto, don't, don't do evil, uh, or don't be evil, rather. And they changed it. And, um, some of the engineers just got up and left because they were going to start doing programs with China. So China could, you know, China's all about censoring. Yeah. And that's all the population. Agreed. And that's how I sort of feel the internet will sure be in the near future. The days of the Wild West are completely gone. This sort of censorship era of corporate America, which has become bigger than government, YouTube, and the rest of corporate America, it's really devastating. And this reminds me of 
Jeff Bezos, Jeff uh, Bezos and uh, Elon Musk. I, I did want to have your your opinion on these uh, individuals. What do you think about them? Well, I just want to make a comment that uh, we're at a fork in the road right now. It could go either way. It could go to be a, a draconian uh, future where um, what their ultimate plans are is, you know, reduce 90% of the population, have a nice small slave force, and then they'll bring out all the advanced technology, of uh, which, you know, they'll be the ones that can get the benefit, you know, while we we serve a slave function. Uh, that's one course. The other course is that enough people wake up and realize that, yes, these these plans have been in the works, and uh, there's too many of us that are becoming awake because of, you know, shows like yours, Michael, uh, and, uh, and taking the reins and redirecting the, the future of humanity to, uh, to one that's much more bright and hopeful. And I, I believe that is a very, very real possibility, especially with uh, all the indications. And it may just happen in the next month or two. You never know. I sure hope so. I, I really do. And going back to what I was saying about corporate oh. America and, and YouTube here, you know, if corporate America really wanted to know what really threatens the people or our way of life, rather, it's their way of life, their never-ending way of uh, pilfering their own system and destroying the very foundation on which they stand. I'm not sure if you agree with that, but I see this all as a big broken system that continues to move oh. forward and keep us binded. Uh, oh, I uh, the the system has been broken for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. We've been kind of conditioned that this is kind of a normal situation. This is the way it's the way life works here on planet Earth, you know. But, Amazing. Uh, yes. You know, I think uh, I think people are kind of, uh, especially with all these witnesses coming out. There's like we got, we've have a matrix. It's like in the movie, we've have a, a matrix of perception that's created. Kind of like the Nazis said, they wanted to, uh, like I was saying, they took over control of the education. Mockingbird took over control of mainstream media. Uh, Operation Dove took over the control of the perception in Hollywood, uh, starting back in 1951. The uh, Invention Secrecy Act, 1951, you know, started issuing orders. Uh, you know, everything back in the in the early and mid 50s, all this was set into place uh, to create a matrix of perception. But the trouble is, just like in the movie The Matrix, there's glitches. And uh, these whistleblowers and witnesses and documents that are coming out, uh, you know, it's kind of like whack-a-mole. You know, <laughs> you try to get it. They keep popping up all over the place. It's very and, interesting, uh, yeah, especially the last five, six, seven years now here on planet Earth, here in the United States, and the political spectrum of it all. It's all been very entertaining, in my opinion. Not for all. But for me, especially someone who was really contemplating going down that path of wanting to get involved in politics. However, during one of my early years of community college, I actually got in trouble with the teacher. We got into a pretty, uh, pretty nasty debate about 9-11 and it led to other things. And I, I got in quite a bit of trouble for that one. 
But that's a, a story I don't really often talk about. But yeah, uh, it's it's very well, interesting. Well, yeah. The the times that we live in, the 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 now, the right now, we we have President Trump as as our man, and it's it's quite amazing to tell you the truth. The fact that he is the president, and he's someone, and I have to be perfectly honest with you, Dan, and completely transparent with all those out there. I'm not affiliated with any sort of political party. I call it down the middle. And Trump, as much as I like a lot of the things he's been doing, there's a lot of things that I really find very questionable. The fact that he surrounded himself at one time with Jeffrey Epstein, that's always been questionable to me. And the fact that he brought in the CEO of Goldman Sachs, that's always been a little little weird for me. But regardless of all these things going on, I see that there is good happening now. And I don't think I could say the same thing if Hillary was the president right now. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, the thing is, you know, I, I'm not really Republican or Democrat. I'm, I'm for the White Hats and the military. Right. That, uh, can, uh, can expose this corruption and, and, and free the planet. You know, basically the United States has, has got the, the, you know, stranglehold on the whole UFO ET, uh, situation. But um, Trump uh, hasn't done everything that I, I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he's done. You know, like I don't believe in in continuing on with drilling for oil. I don't I don't like supporting the 5G. You know, being a broadcast engineer, I'm right. kind of familiar with some of the effects of uh, you know electromagnetic radiations and things. And um, you know, there's a lot of things that I am not in agreement with with him. Uh, but the fact what he's doing when he's surrounded by military intelligence, a lot of Navy and Marines, uh, and, and the other forces too that are, you know, have, they have white hats too within their groups. Um, you know, it would be the, the, the most incredible historic event in, in the history of our civilization, actually, to finally, after a stranglehold of, I mean, I'm talking, uh, Decades upon decades, maybe in hundreds of years, uh, you know, you go back to 1776, you know, when, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the secret societies got infiltrated, um, and basically, you know, tied in with the Rothschild banking, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, some people say, oh, you're going anti-Semitic, you know, you're talking about the Rothschilds, you know, and it's talking about, you know, situations that are set up False flag events, con- manipulation, deception of the press. Um, you know, Kennedy tried to warn us about that. They tried to warn us about the dangers of secrets and secret societies, um, and about the importance of the freedom of the press and to be able, to, the importance of being able to debate, and you know, uh, with the First Amendment. And all this is on the. Um, all this is on the uh, forefront of uh, of being dealt with now with all the censorship. You know, even Trump is tweeting every so often talking about, uh, uh, you know, trying. No, the censorship to, needs to trying. go. That, that's the problem. All the censorship, the PC attitude, I, I don't like it personally. I, I really cannot stand it. Yeah, there was, there was a tweet that was done just uh it's a few days ago by Trump on the 21st. That was like, what, six days ago. He says, 
and I, I think this is a very important one. He says, a very big part of the anger we see today in our society is caused by the purposely fake and inaccurate reporting of the mainstream media that I refer to as fake news. It has gotten so bad and hateful that it is beyond description. Mainstream media must clean up its act fast. Um, you know, the mainstream media is definitely tied in with the intelligence community and, and engineering our perceptions and things. And what's sad is, you know, like, uh, you know, even within your own family, it's hard to talk to other family members because yeah, you realize that, you know, they've been reading New York Times, they've been watching CNN, and their perceptions have been very carefully formed programmed programmed oh yeah and so they don't have another reference all their only references and and the mainstream media you know adamantly you know says oh this conspiracy theorists you know and it's like they do everything possible to try to make it sound like oh these are just crazies you know they're coming up with things but anybody that you know, I, I wouldn't have been educated in, in some of this history if it wasn't for a media company out of Hollywood back in, uh, it was like 2014. They wanted me to write an article being an ABC newsman and witness on, on, on media control regarding the UFO issue. And so I wrote an article called Who Controls the Agreed Upon Reality Through the Mainstream Media and Why They Fear Disclosing the Truth About the Extraterrestrial Reality. And as I started to research, and I just had to hit the books for a few years and, and research credible, and I, I try to base everything based on solid witness testimonies and, and highly authenticated, you know, secret documents as a foundational base to reference to, because there's a lot of disinformation out there and you have to watch that you don't go off, you know, on a, on a, you know, a path that'll lead you into a dead end. So, and that could easily happen, as, especially going down this route. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Don't you know, get lost. So, and if you research enough, there's enough dots. It's like a high-resolution picture. You know, you start more and more dots. The picture, the bigger picture starts to become very clear. Because if you only have a few dots, the picture is kind of fuzzy. But as you start to – and and the only way I can think of, of doing it is, is is how, in my own experience – I was able to educate myself on this is to look back uh, chronologically to events and things that have brought us up to today. You have to understand the history that has brought us up to today uh, in order to understand how, why we, how we operate and why we operate the way we do today, you know, because of these events that led up to it. And, uh, and it, it's a, I can tell you, Michael, when I was researching this stuff, you know, you know, it was like one oh my god after another, you know, and it's like, I used to love science fiction, but anybody loves science fiction, if you get into this stuff, it'll completely ruin it for you forever, because the truth is so much more, so much more fascinating than anything anybody in Hollywood can come up with, you know, for a fantasy science fiction script. Indeed. It's it's very mind blowing when you find out that six corporations control most of the American media, and then that's when you understand that there is a clear and present narrative on every channel you watch on television, 
which is something I always tell most people to do, to get rid of their television, because that's where the brainwashing begins. You could also thank Joseph Mengele for that. And furthermore, our great government here with Operation Paperclip, that's when everything really began to come forward and the programming really did begin. That's why older generations... Go ahead, sorry. Tell me, tell me about Joseph Mengele and the connection with television. And, the, and television, just the simple fact that he was the one who created the whole mind control program. All of that really goes back to what they were doing and what they were first interested in implementing here in America, what we see today. I've, oh, yeah. You probably worked with Alan Dulles on that, who, who created the MK Ultra program. Exactly. See, it all goes back to that time. And it, it's very interesting that we are seeing this, these sort of mind control type, I guess you could say psyop. I'm not quite sure if I would want to use that word, but for all intents and purposes, that's exactly what it is. And furthermore, that's how social media works. It's designed well, it is to, a psychological operation. That's, that's what a it's, good, yeah. good description. That's what, it's, <laughs> that's what it's designed for. And you see it all the time. You see uh, the, the kids, especially nowadays, the younger generations who are on social media, they're on Facebook and they're seeing their friends and uh, their family. And you're only seeing, you know, you're only seeing the happy times. You're not really exactly seeing what's going on behind the scenes of that individual. And for some people, that actually causes depression and anxiety, all sorts of weird mental health issues that one can actually get. It's a very fascinating times that we live in, especially now with the younger generation who are basically born behind a tablet, a computer, anything of that nature. I'm sure you could agree with that. Oh, yeah, and, and it goes beyond that. It, when you understand that, when people watch television, watch shows, you know, it's like, it's kind of interesting every channel you turn mostly there's somebody who's got a gun in their hand you know or or shooting at somebody or you know there's some uh, a myriad of uh crime dramas out there and there's like apocalyptic movies of what's what's going to happen all of these things get imaged back into the goes directly into the subconscious minds of millions of people which science is beginning to show that it's actually our combined co-creative uh, collective reality actually creates, I know this sounds sounds like science fiction, but we're actually creating, and this kind of the ET experience kind of gave me a, a, little, a little demonstration. No, you definitely manifest your reality. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're creating the reality. We don't have to give our consent, you know. When I watch TV, I don't watch TV. I monitor TV. I like to see what they're trying, what they are, what the perception is they're wanting to put in people's minds, just to keep an eye on them, kind of get an idea, kind of get a foot ahead of, of where they're going with it, you know, how they, how they frame it, what parts of the speech do they cut out, uh, how they, um, you know, what they show, what, if they, Put yourself in a mind of, of somebody who has no background whatsoever in any of this, and what would be the perception that you would be getting from what they're showing? But you know, all of it's all of it's engineered. It really is, and that reminds me of the latest tragedy, the pipe bomb suspect. 
Um, apparently, he built that dev- some of the devices in his own van. As you know, the guy was living in his van, uh, Caesar Sayok, over from Florida. And remarkably enough, Dan, I didn't even have to really even guess where this man was from. I already knew he was from Florida. They said he didn't have any money, but, you know, then you look at the uh, van with the pictures on it. Uh, he had a full-colored giant vinyl sticker that was professionally <laughs> yeah, produced. That's not, yeah, that's not cheap. You know, those aren't those aren't cheap, and there wasn't any color fading on it at all. Uh, and I, I remember seeing a, somebody had a car with just a, a Trump sticker on it, and they torched it, right? You know, and he's in a neighborhood, uh, and I was just happening, you know, I have no way of, of verifying this. I, I could probably, but somebody was doing Google Earth and found his van that uh, didn't have any of the stickers on it, you know. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. But, you know, it's kind of interesting. All of the the bombs, basically, they weren't, you couldn't detonate them, not unless exposed to a lot of heat or fire or something, you know. They weren't, they weren't, uh, detonatable. Uh, and when they, when the news covers it, they said, and everybody, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Clinton, Obama, you know, the whole list, um, uh, they show on television, oh, and Clint, I mean, uh, Trump had adversary against this person, and Trump had adversary with it. It spoke critical of this person. It's kind of like they're, they're framing it up, you know, to say that this person's been radicalized by the violent right wing, and uh, look what this person has done, you know, kind of like to get sympathy for, you know. But all this stuff is just, you know, coming up. You know, it's a touchy subject, you know, because then you get into... It's a very touchy subject, but one that I always find interesting, one that we definitely love talking about here. And, of course, the nasty Maxine Waters, she's someone out here in California that I just think she's a very nasty and vile woman. I, I blame a lot of this on her, the fact that she's been very rowdy. And, of course, politicians are not responsible for inciting any kind of violence However, Maxine Waters has been doing that. I don't remember Trump oh, yeah. saying any of this. Yeah, she's been calling for violence on, you know, the other other party, and they, and you know, then you have Antifa, which uh, has a flag that's really similar to during Nazi Germany. Uh, you know, these guys wearing black masks and stuff, and you know, breaking windows, setting cars on fire. You know, it's like, uh, um, no, I don't, I don't think. You know, it, you don't want to get into us versus them type of thing because actually the truth is is that all, all of us are good people. It's just that some of us have been, you know, just led down um, a really dark, down a, a dark path. A, well, down a down a down a matrix of perception that have, have had our. Our perceptions, uh, engineered and divisions against, uh, race and religion and political party affiliation and everything. Yeah, that's the when actual identity politics. The, the, Go ahead. The real enemy is not, uh, is not the divisions within us, but the ones that are behind the scenes creating the divisions that need to get exposed that are desperately trying to hide 
the exposure by the censorship on the alternative media. They already have complete control of the mainstream media. That's down to a fine art. But they've been working on it for some time, and they just basically uh, have given the, the full green light to start censoring on Facebook and YouTube. And, and now I notice if I – if you go looking on – Google, for example, you look about the safety of vaccines, you look about the JFK assassination, you look about uh, genetically modified foods, all of a sudden you will find a whole different set of search engine algorithm results where you'll see CNN, New York Times, uh, you know, uh, CDC, the, uh, you know, ABC, You'll, you'll have all of their normal controlled outlets giving their opinion, you know, saying, oh, yes, the science shows it's perfectly safe, and uh, yes, it was a lone gunman that uh, the Warren Commission, which uh headed by uh, Alan Dulles, uh, you know, was, you know, you have all this... Uh, the same players. Yeah, you have what the search engine algorithms have been uh, compromised so that you don't get, you get a very filtered what they want you to see, and this this stuff's got to stop, you know, and and because we need because they're going against um, freedom of speech in this country. It's not American. Oh yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent on that. The fact that we have to be filtered is just atrocious to me personally. Since I do this kind of program, I would like the rest of the world to have that sort of freedom, and the rest of the world doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you never know, Michael. You could be next, you know. I already have been. Uh, uh, my channel was already demonetized. Really? Oh, of course. Right. Oh, yeah. I already knew it was going to happen long ago. I was already warned about this maybe six months ago. And, uh, well, it happened. And another victim of, uh, <laughs> of the no big deal, though. matrix it's okay. of perception. Totally fine. Yep. You could only <laughs> do what you could do for yourself. You... Just go along with your cosmic true will, and the universe will do what it does, in my opinion. And speaking of which, that's something I talk about here on my program, following your cosmic true will. Once you do that, everything else in your life just sort of aligns, and everything goes forward. Life is beautiful. And Dan, have you followed your cosmic true will, in your opinion? Has everything aligned for you? So long as I stay aligned with myself and so long as I'm truthful to myself and others, um, you know, I practice the golden rule, you know, um, yes, yeah, so I'm very grateful, you know, for everything in my life. I have a wonderful wife who's been so supportive through all this insanity, um, you know. Um, yeah, all right, man. I like it, that. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's this incredible power. We, we, one thing can be said, and that is we are creative. And when we visualize in our mind a reality, it actually feeds that reality. And for that reason, I created a, uh, I'd like to share with the listeners, uh, if you go to thewebmatrix.net and click on imagine this, I did a visualization of, of the children of the future in a grand library that have the entire history of the earth and all the challenges that the earth went through and they're they're reviewing and they and they're they're seeing 
all the amazing challenges that the human race went through to finally break through, you know, from the these uh, the dark influences, and that uh, the the ending is a very positive ending, and it transitions anyway. Um, if anybody feels like doing a visualization, just go there and uh, read it. It'll as you're reading it, it actually uh, is formulating in your mind, which is sending it out to the co-creative reality. And uh, and I actually had to update it to 2018 because I wrote this back in 2014, and everything that I wrote has actually come to pass, but it's a little bit different. And so I've decided to put a lot of factual things mixed in with it to as it moves into the future, into the future reality, which is a... A very, um, a very, a very uh, wonderful end of time re- reality. <laughs> Amazing! I really do like that. And Dan, I would like to thank you so much for being a part of the program. I feel like we could do another hour so easy. However, we oh are... my god, we've gone we've we've gone through two hours. That's amazing. Amazing indeed. It's almost been two hours. About an hour and fifty-two minutes coming up here. And wow. We moved along so fast, Dan. No, well, I, I don't sell anything, but I just like to share my notes with everyone, which is at www.thewebmatrix.net, not .com, but .net, and um, it has a whole thing on secret space programs, secret societies connected into this, and um, yeah, I've been in a secret society myself since 1976, you know, Rosicrucian order, but it's a very benevolent one. Um, you know, so it just, it's just sharing all of, uh, all of my notes with others to compare notes uh, on this uh, experience that we're having on this planet. Amazing. Now, Dan, go ahead and plug your website or anything else you'd like. And, of course, some final words before you part here. No, uh, just, you know, the webmatrix.net is, uh, the website and, uh, just, you know, I just, I'm grateful to the people who are open-minded enough to listen to this channel and to research. Don't take anybody's word. There's a lot of disinformation. Do your own critical thinking and pair all the information. Um, you know, there's disinformation spread in the mix, but, you know, if you dig deep enough, all of a sudden the picture becomes clear and then you become an asset to creating this new future that is a very benevolent timeline for the whole human race, which we're at, appears to be we're at a crossroads right now. Indeed. Well, once again, Dan, it's been an honor and pleasure to have you on the program. We'll do this again in the very near future, Dan. I look forward, Michael. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Clockwise and mahalo, sir. (laughs) Good night. Good night. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dan Willis. Amazing. Now, of course, part two is coming up right now, but I'm going to go on a little break. And when I return, Patrick White will be here live and direct. And for those on YouTube, you will not be hearing some of the music being played However, that's okay. You will have to just enjoy the silence unless you go to the TuneIn radio app and search End of Days. Then you could hear the music and all the jazz. But for now, hang tight. Those on YouTube will be right back.
You, of you know course, I mean? you were you were a headline guy. I'm and still then, a headline guy. You know what I mean? You, for a while, you popped out. Now you're coming back. For I a while, back. for a while, it's you were actually you, you, know were running, I mean? you were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym? Weren't you Why running you a gym at some point? You're supposed to be a news guy. Where are you getting your That's fucking our research. You aren't. You aren't. ridiculous. I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym? No, no, running a gym. What? You need to work out or something? Jesus fucking Christ! With these guys, I come on the news for two seconds and, and you want to say every All time right. i do an interview a guy wants to open his fucking mouth can't All right, even Andrew, do a little thank you very much we here. thought that you, you could know, hold that up yourself you know what all I'm right we'll go back to uh talking about art carney and we'll be back in just a moment fill you in on the art carney situation and a welcome back to the program ladies and gentlemen joining me now is the second soul Mr. Patrick White, let's bring him in. Michael, how are you doing? Oh, you beat me to it. I am amazing. How are you doing? I'm doing very well at the moment, you know, but I've got some real hairy stuff uh, to tell you right now. I mean, this this is what I've been going through, and and this is, you know, it's going to start off kind of slow because that's the way it happened in real life, but it's going to pick up some serious steam. Tremendous. I mean, I mean, I mean some serious steam, okay? So, I hear you, yeah. So, but- but before we begin, me, I, I do want to thank you so yes, much sir. for returning back to the program. Uh, the first time you were here, your uh, friend spoke to Mr. Michael Bell. Yes, and and that was an incredible conversation. Um, it was absolutely am- amazing uh, that I was able to get him on the line with Michael and that they had their conversation uh, and, and I was blown away by that. It really was. That was truly an amazing conversation that they had and that I was able to set it up or that we were able to set it up like that. Yeah, and I thank you for that. That was tremendous. You definitely added to the show, which I appreciate so much. So, Patrick, let's get right into things. Of course, you have a bit of a background in the Navy. You joined when you were just 19. You were involved with aviation, and, of course, you had all sorts of weird things happen along the journey here. Yeah, I did, and we can go into that another time because I've, I have had some extremely cosmic experiences. No doubt. But I, w- I want to get to the nuts and bolts of what's going on here Amen. With, me t- with me today, and that is it's the subject of targeted individuals, okay? And so, you know, I listen to shows like yours and 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 I guess it all started off when I I I listened to George Norrie every day for years and years, you know, and um, you know, Art Art Bell before him, you know, and so I've been listening to these talk show radio hosts for for a long time, and and I'm a vegetable pretty much. I mean, I, I like to play my video games, and I like to uh, I like to listen to talk uh, radio, and you know, they're talking about you know. Space aliens or, or flying saucers, you know, or boogeyman or some conspiracy theory or big, Bigfoot, you know, or just whatever. It doesn't really matter, you know, but I am, um, I listen to these talk show radio hosts and, and, uh, and I like to play my video games. And so I do them at the same time. And, and, and sometimes it's really amazing how well they line up. And so. I started, you know, I just started just bootlegging. That's what I did. You know, I would, I would bootleg these, uh, these people's like your, your radio show. I bootlegged your radio show and I make a video about it, you know, all, all, uh, 
I, I make my, my dumb little videos out of it, you know, which are actually pretty cool. But then I, it, it came to the point to where, you know, I, nobody cares, you know, that I'm bootlegging this. I try to tell people that I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for them, but you can take, you can take a penny, you know, and cut it up into pieces and that's a crime. Okay. It is a crime to take a coin and to cut it, and cut it up into pieces and, and, and make a piece of trash out of it. But if you take, if you take that same coin and you cut it up into pieces, into the same pieces and you turn it into a piece of jewelry, making it more than it was worth before, then that's acceptable. You can get away with that. So anyhow, so I got into doing that and then, um, you know, and I listened to all these talk show radio shows and, and, uh, and I, I did a video about Michael Bell and I listened to that video. I mean, I must have listened to it like 20 times. That's a lot of times. Yeah. A lot of times the Michael Bell interview, because when I, when I edit it and, and everything, you know, you end up listening to it more times. And so I, I listened to that interview countless times. And, um, what happened was that, uh, is that I am a bicycle and I work in a uh, in a retail bicycle store locally here in Central Texas, and um, and then I I work right outside the the front gate of of Fort Hood, Texas, which is the largest military base in the free world, and so I deal with a, a lot of soldiers. Everybody that I deal with on a daily basis is either a soldier or married to a soldier, or as a soldier as a family member. Or something of that nature. I mean, there are, it's, it's nothing but, but soldiers and veterans, okay, around here. And, and as a result, there's an extraordinary amount of PTSD. It's everywhere. It bleeds over into, uh, into the soldiers, into the veterans, into the veterans administration, and into all the surrounding families, you know. And so I'm like a magnet for these people. They come to me, they tell me their stories, and they like me because I listen to them. You know, where other people, they look at them as some kind of a freak. I, uh, I don't, you know, I treat them like human beings, and so they come to me, and so I have kind of a reputation for being the freak whisperer, the freak. I guess, you know. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, there's just these people, I mean, but they're having real problems. And so the other day, uh, just, uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, I had a guy come into the shop and he's, he starts telling me this story. You know, he brings me, he's got a problem with his back wheel. It's rubbing on the frame or whatever. And, uh, and I bring it in and I put it up onto the stands and I start working on it. And he starts just going off about satellites that are chasing him. And, um, hold, hold on just a second. I, I need to, uh, I've got something going on in the background. Yeah. Do you, you do your thing? I definitely uh, want to, and go ahead. Are you gonna? Are you leaving? Hey, you just, hold, hold on. Just let me close. Okay, there, there we go. Oh, okay. That's over. I thought you okay, were gonna so. exit, but yeah, I was gonna invite the listeners right. out there if they do want to call in. That number is seven six zero three three two eighty seven twenty four, or toll free one eight six six seven one nine zero eight zero three. I'll be glad to take any calls if anybody wants to call in and weigh in on this because this is going to get really heavy. This is going to be, this is going to be super intense. And, uh, and so, but right now, 
So I had this guy walk into the shop, okay? He's talking about satellites that are chasing him and, and they're zapping him with some kind of electronic electricity, you know, that's causing his, uh, it's, it's like a slow buildup of static electricity, you know? And, and so I says, hey man, hold on just a second. Do you mind if I record this conversation? Come up here, pull up a stool right here and tell me your story. Tell me what's going on while I work on your bike. And so he did. And it was incredible, man. It was like almost an hour long of conversation. And sure, I had, I had customers that came into the shop, you know, and, and people that were calling. And so I got interrupted a few times, uh, during our interview, but I posted it anyhow. And then so what he didn't know what Wayne did not, his name is Paul Wayne Mamby and he wants everybody to know his name, Paul Wayne Mamby. And you can find him on YouTube and connect with him. Because he wants everybody to come over and see the satellites that are, that are over his head, which are not actually satellites that I found out. They're actually drones. Um, and so, uh, I, what well, he didn't know when he walked into the shop, what he didn't know was that I'm, I'm a metal detector freak, okay? I'm, I'm very heavily entrenched in the metal detecting community on Facebook and, and, and any, any other place. Um, uh, 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 my my gig in in uh, in the metal detecting community is called the Vulcan Treasure Society, and it's just a thing that I invented a couple of years ago about where I just bury all these little boxes in the ground for people to find. Okay, I mean it's like it's it's just like I'm out metal detecting, and I I, uh, I I'm in a place I I got my metal detector, and I'm out there, and I realized that that somebody had been here before me, and so I decide to. Uh, uh, to start a, a group, you know, of people that would bury things for other people to find, you know, that had metal detectors. So they think they're digging up a quarter and they dig up a box full of some pretty cool stuff or whatever you want to bury. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, uh, hopefully something good. But anyhow, back to, back to the story. So Wayne, um, th- th- this guy, he looks pretty disheveled and, um, and he didn't know that I was a metal detector guy. So I told him, I says, I, I, I told him about it after he told me a story. I says, look, why don't you come back? Um, we'll schedule another meeting and I will use my metal detectors on you, you know, because you think you have some kind of an alien implant. And I mean, this guy's story goes off the chart because it started in La Mesa, California, where he, uh, he was having problems, you know, and, and, um, and he gets a call from his neighbor one day. He lived in an apartment complex called the Chevy Chase Apartments in La Mesa, California. And and one day he gets a call from his neighbor telling him, hey, man, I'm watching you live on video and uh, 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 you're on the Internet right now and you're naked and you're you, you, he described what he was doing. And so um, I, I talked to I talked to Wayne uh, um, and he. He informed me that yes, uh, because I, I was like joking with him. He was talking with me during the interview and I'm like, what were you masturbating or something? And he's like, no man, I wasn't masturbating. I was, I was just pulling gray hairs out. And so, uh, he was pulling and, gray hairs out. He was pulling, pulling gray hairs out of his groin area. Amazing. And, and that, and that's something that somebody who's, who's, who's making up a story doesn't share. They don't, they don't share that kind of information. I wouldn't share that with and, you either. Uh, exactly. I mean, so, so he hires a private investigator to come over 
And at some point, they pull the mirror out of his bathroom and find a gaping hole in the wall behind the bathroom mirror that led directly into the maintenance shed that was connected to the backside of his apartment. And so uh, I'm like, okay, well, this is weird. So I said, I, I, I had him come back. I had him come back to the shop. And um, and I, this time I brought my metal detectors with me. And the first one was just uh, uh, it was my pinpointer, which is just a little, uh, it's a, like a small metal detector that you just hold in your hand. It's a, they call it the carrot, the Garrett carrot. You know, it's about 12 inches long. And I scan his body with, with that thing. And I didn't find anything. It briefly went off on his wrist, but I might have gotten too close to my belt buckle or something. When no, you, not. when you scanned him, was he naked at the time? I'm just curious now. No, no, he, he, he was not naked. Okay. Thank God. At, at that time. Oh yeah. Because it'd be pretty horrifying. Right. Uh, to, to, to see that. But anyhow, so, <laughs> yeah. but I did, I did find the metal uh, fillings in his teeth with that one. And then I whipped out. I had him come back another couple of days later, and I whipped out my um my other two metal detectors that are much more powerful, and they both went absolutely berserk on his chest. And I don't know why um, the both detectors would would indicate that he had something deep inside of his chest. The thing is, is that from the front from the front of his chest, it was reading that it was six or seven inches deep. And from the from the rear, I had him turn around, spin around, and from the rear, it was also six and seven inches deep. And if you do the math, you know that, that he's he's not that sick. You know he's not that sick from front to rear. And there could be other factors that are making my metal detector scream and tell him, tell me that there's something in his chest. But so anyhow, um, I I make it through that um, that episode with Wayne. You know, and 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 so that kind of that kind of led me into uh, the other stuff that that's going on. Okay, so I'm trying to find a solution for him. Right. And and, and then and I can hear somebody whispering in the background. Is there somebody else there? Because I could swear that I heard. You know, I've I've been hearing other voices on the line. No, but, but anyhow, I'm afraid it's just me and you, Patrick. Okay, but but there, but I am recording this so we can go back and 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 listen to it. I mean, like even right there, I could hear like a whispering on on the line. Is your phone tapped, Patrick? Is that what's going on? Oh, oh, oh it could be. I mean, it very well, you know, because I don't put anything beside anything that's happened uh, at this moment. Because uh, what what what's happened is that I have um I've had interviews with with so many people over the last few days. I mean, this has opened up such a giant can of worms that I honestly don't know if I have the fortitude to go through with this and and to uh, and to, and to tell these people stories. Because what I did is I went on a spree the other day, um, and I'm jumping ahead. You know, I I I don't want to jump ahead too far. I need I need to go back to uh, to Wayne um, because that that's really where it all started. And then, pardon me, man. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm uh, getting a little bit tongue-tied here right now. Really? Yeah, yes, I, I, I'm sorry. But anyhow, so Wayne Wayne came into the shop, and he didn't expect me to have a metal detector. He he recently um has has formed. The last time I talked to him, he has actually made a tinfoil hat. 
And, and, and the thing is, is that, is that people think that, that these tinfoil hats, you know, there's always the old, uh, 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 meme or whatever of the guy with the tinfoil hat where, where he's, he's crazy. He's out of his mind. But nowadays, nowadays there are people that are taking much, much more stringent measures than just having some stupid tinfoil hat. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Wayne's hat uh, that he made, uh, uh, out of out of tinfoil, he just made a crude hat out of tinfoil, and he woke. He called me this morning and said that he woke up and it was full of holes. And you're wondering how could that happen? How could you know? I mean, how could all of a sudden this this tinfoil hat that he had be full of of uh, uh, hundreds of little tiny pinpricks? So, anyhow, uh, what I did is that um is is that since since I saw Wayne's condition, you know, and the condition that he was in, because he's not like, you know, what happens with him is that he he claims that he had satellites that would hover over his house or wherever he was, and they would beam him. There would be there would be like one one satellite would zap him with something, and then the other satellites uh, would charge that satellite making it more powerful, you know, or, or they would somehow amplify the signal that was, that was on him. Are you, are you following so far? Understood. Yeah. I'm just taking it in here and it's wow. Incredible. Okay. Because I'm, I'm just hearing a lot of interference on the line that doesn't sound like it's you. Well, last time and, you told me the same thing when you heard back when, uh, Michael was here. Yeah. So, um, okay. So anyhow, um, I, I set that up uh, to where uh, you were you were talking with with Wayne, or, or that Wayne was talking with Michael, and and I don't think they liked that at all. I really don't. They you know they didn't like that at all. Um, I I get I get banned, and then and so I go on a spree of uh, I, I I find this this uh, this database of these people that are that are supposedly targeted individuals. And so I just started going down the list and I just, I called everybody in the United States of America that would answer the phone. And I dialed, I must've dialed a hundred numbers and I might've gotten a hold of that first night of about maybe about 15 or 20 people that I actually talked to. But since then I've talked to maybe about 50 people and, and their, their stories are off the rails I mean, these, these people, it's not like, it's not like, yeah, uh, there was a guy, you know, or I looked out the window and there was somebody looking in at me, uh, uh, or, or that somebody, uh, uh, looked suspicious and it was chasing me in the car or something like that. It's like, no, these guys, these people are trying to kill me. And, and that's, that's, that's like the most common denominator of all the people that I've talked to is it's like, no. They're trying, they're, they're literally trying to kill me. And they're, they're, they're terrified. And, you know, it's like, and so here I come calling out of the blue. They don't know who the heck I am. I mean, I could be, I could be one of the enemy, but, but, but many of them talked to me and we had conversations and, uh, and there was such a variety of input, uh, that I got from these people that, it, it, it's just so amazing because some of them, some of them are just so scared. It's like they're hiding under the pillow. While other, others of them, 
it's like, yeah, man, as soon as you called, as soon as you called the helicopters, here they come right now. And he's like out on his front porch going, come on, come on, get some. And he's like flipping them off and pulling down his pants, you know, and, and you're saying, you know, screw you, scumbag, you know, you know, come, come and get me, you know, and that's the attitude that I get from some of these people and, 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 and they're, they're very courageous. And, and so this is a problem, Michael, that's not going away. This is a problem that is, that is so prominent that it is, it is like the number one problem in America today it, or in the world, the way that I see it, because they're, they're coming out with this technology and they are assaulting people. And the, the last guy that I made a, a, a video with, which I think you saw part of it, towards the end of the video, he didn't even tell me, but he, um, he has invented a, um, a helmet to shield him. It's like the tinfoil hat from hell, man. I mean, this thing, it's got copper shielding and it's got reverse magnetic polarity all over it. And, um, it's, it's really, and it actually looks cool. He took some kind of a baseball helmet and he, uh, and he made this, this helmet that can actually, it actually gives him relief to where he can rest and, and, uh, and go to sleep without problems because these people, you know, and, and, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit here that, uh, that these people, uh, nobody believes them. Nobody believes, nobody wants to believe that anything this horrific is going on. When I've talked to these people, I've talked to so many of these people and their stories line up and I'm building a coalition or at least I have intentions to build some kind of a coalition which has been so many times, it's been tried so many times before and failed because they either, they either infiltrate the, uh, the, uh, uh, effort one way or the other or or they just squash you and uh and it wouldn't be hard to squash me you know it really wouldn't because I'm I'm just a whipping boy you know I've been at my job for a long time but I'm really just a whipping boy and they they could it wouldn't take much it wouldn't take just a, a breath of air to put me into a situation where where, where life was was totally intolerable so I don't, I don't want to go there, and that's why I have reservations about pursuing this any further because these people are ruthless. They're, they're absolutely vicious and sadistic, and uh, and there were there were a lot of things while while you were having your conversation with Dan Willis that I really wanted to weigh into or weigh in on, and I can't um I can't remember a single one of them at the moment because I was. I was just so preoccupied with being on the show here tonight. Um, yeah, no problem. I understand completely. And one of the things I did want to talk to you about was your experience with the Catholic Church. I did want you to talk about that. Okay, we can we can easily jump over to that. Yeah, and, I want to hear more about your story. Uh, well, I mean, as far as about being in the Catholic Church, um, I was an altar boy. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I was raised, you know, my, my father was, was an extreme Notre Dame enthusiast. I mean, he's one of the, he's got to be like the, 
one of the top Notre Dame guys in the world as far as his knowledge and in his database and everything. And so he's, he's very heavily entrenched in the Catholic Church. And so almost every article of clothing that I, I had when I was going through high school had a, a Notre Dame insignia on it somewhere, you know. I mean, it was just, it was insane. I mean, so I, um, I was, uh, when I was a little kid, you know, I must have been about seven or eight years old, maybe nine, you know, somewhere in there. Uh, I had to go to catechism on the weekends. And so I go to the catechism class and, uh, and it was obvious that there had been other kids there before me. You know, or like it was actually the classroom was used for something else other than just weekend catechism. And and it was also obvious by looking at the books in the desk that I was sitting at that they were more advanced than I was. Maybe they were older kids or maybe they were just smarter than me. I don't know. So they usher us all into the um into the uh, confessional booth one day. It's like, okay, we're all going to confession. We're all going to talk to the priest. And so we all go in one by one. And when it comes to my turn, I says to the priest, I says, hey, I got a question. Can I speak directly to God? I mean, can I, can me, myself, speak directly to God? And he says, sure, you can. And I'm just like, well, who the heck are you? Are you? I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, are you just some kind of middleman? I mean, why do I even need you? Why do I need to tell you my sins if I can tell God directly my sins? And so I don't remember what kind of response I got at that time uh, because all I wanted to do was be a priest or a cop or a fireman or something like that. I wanted to do some good. Wait a minute. You, you know? wanted to be a priest? <clears throat> yeah, I wanted. that was the first thing that I wanted to do in my life. The very first thing that I can remember that I wanted to be was like, I want to be a priest. You know, I've, you're and, the only and, person I ever heard ever say that in life. <laughs> I did. I, I wanted to be a priest, and it might have been to impress my dad. And then uh, uh, years later, you know, when I was like about 24 or 25, I was living with the legendary musician James Gurley, who played guitar for Big Brother and the Holding Company, who was Janis Joplin's front band. And he, you know, he told me that he grew up in a, as a Catholic when he was a kid, and the, and the, he, he he had like the ruler cracking nuns, you know, that would just hit you with the ruler, you know, and uh, and that he 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 talked to the priest, you know, he was talking to the priest one day, and he said, you know, but what if I don't want to be a priest? And and the guy's response was, don't worry, once a priest, always a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And so that always stuck with me because, you know, I I am a priest, you know, and and uh, and I don't care what anybody says about it. I'm not ordained, I'm not I'm not with any church, I'm not with any anybody, really, but I am I am a priest and I was also the Catholic religious petty officer in boot camp and uh and I got um I got kind of a, a, a an unflattering nickname Known as Preacher Pot. Preacher Reverend Pot. Re- yeah, Reverend Reefer and, and Father Doobie. And that's because I got busted on the urinalysis in boot camp. Oh, tell me about that. So, I mean, should, like they test every third bottle. I smoked a lot of weed in high school. Um, it's, it's like so, and then so when it came down to the, I didn't, I, I, I was dirty. <laughs> that's all it was. Understood. I mean, it yeah. wasn't. 
I, 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 I pissed positive because, because I had smoked weed. Because you're partying. But exactly. Good times. So, okay. But so, um, I, I got away with it. You know, somehow I, I wasn't, I wasn't punished at that time. You know, I got, I got a slight punishment, but it was, it was pretty much, we just went to a class, like some kind of rehab class and we all sang Eric Clapton's cocaine, you know. That's a lovely and, song. And, 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 uh, um, Boston smoking, you know, um, so that was, that was the size of that. And then, so I get in trouble again after, uh, after we tied up these guys in their racks with dental floss in the middle of the night, me and this other watch. And then, so I get out, I, or at least, uh, I get out of, I get out of boot camp and I go to, um, I go to my A school, which is in Virginia Beach, and I finally get there. I went through, I went through Memphis. I had to go through six months of Memphis, and then I finally ended up in my A school, and then so I started going to church again there, and I became an altar boy. It, I pretty much just assumed the role, you know. I just, I just walked in and just says, "Yeah, I'm the altar boy." Blah blah blah, you know. And yeah, you just and, fell in line, okay? Exactly. I just fell in line. Right, I was right. the altar boy, and then, uh, and then one day. Um, it was, t- I had to get up and go to school and, uh, or, or go to the class. I, g- I get to the class and the, uh, and the instructor and I was, I was deadbeat tired. I was so tired. You know, I don't know why, but I was just so tired. But he, he says, okay, um, we don't have anything to do today. So, um, you have another two hours, you know, to, uh, to go and do whatever you're going to do. And so I ran back to the barracks and I jumped in my bed. And so I jump into the bed and, uh, and, 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 you know, and it was made and everything with the wool blanket on top and it was all, you know, the corners and everything were all neat. And so I didn't want to mess it up. And so I, I just laid down on top of it, uh, facing straight up and, and the, uh, the sleep started taking me away right away. I mean, it was just like, you just start getting, you know, uh, uh, sucked into this, into this sleep. But I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to fall totally asleep, you know, because I don't want to, I don't want to wake up out of a dead sleep. And so I kind of had one eye open literally. And then finally the, the, uh, the sleep took me and then, uh, I didn't realize it, but all of a sudden the foot of the bed came up like maybe a foot or a foot and a half or two feet, you know, and then, uh, and then my head started sliding towards the head of the bed. And then I hit the head of the bed and it was like, whoa, you know, what's going on? You know, and I couldn't move. I was like paralyzed. And then the head of the bed came up and then my feet went down to the, to the foot of the bed. And this happened several times. And then all of a sudden I became very aware, very, very aware of the, it was like Darth Vader breath, you know, the, the aqualung sound of, of, of the breath, you know, that Darth Vader makes. And I could hear that breathing. And, um, and then, uh, all of a sudden, um, it was like something grabbed me around the ankles. It was like a fist that just grabbed my ankles and it pulled me off of the bed. And then it just started spinning me around and around and around like I was in a tornado and I was barely missing the walls in the room. And there was, there was like the study carol and the walls and the ceiling, you know, and it was a tight little space right there, but I'm flying around in this space and I'm just got going, Holy shit, man, something's, something's got me, man. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden it stopped and then it, it took me and it spread me out to where I, I was, 
I was flat and I was facing straight up and then it slowly raised me up until my nose was about an inch away from the ceiling and it turned me around, flipped me over and lowered me to the bed. And when I finally hit the bed, it was like, um, uh, uh, I, I snapped out of it. Boom. I woke up and, and, and I opened my eyes and I'm like, well, how, how the heck did that happen? Because I wasn't tired. It didn't feel like I had been asleep at all. And I, the first thing I saw when I opened my eyes was this freaking poster on the wall that was, it was, uh, 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 like something out of a Led Zeppelin, uh, uh, album cover. You know, where the guy has the, he's, he's, he's next to a, a frozen waterfall and he has this lantern and he's kind of crouching, you know, and looks kind of sinister. You know, that's what I saw on the wall. I jumped up, I grabbed it, I pulled it off the wall and I don't know why that I blamed it, uh, uh, for, um, for what had happened. But, um, but I had, I, I had been drinking a lot at that time. Uh, and so, you know, uh, that, that certainly can be a factor. But then so <laughs> you after, were drinking after at the that, time. Yeah, or I mean, I was, I was drinking a lot during that time, you know, cause I was, I was fresh out of, I was out of the home, you know, and, and, and not only on base, you know, at that time, you know, I was, I wasn't of drinking age, but they had, they literally had a, a beer machine, man, like a vending machine. Like a, like that you would buy Coke out of, but it had beer in it, you know. So I could go in and say, okay, I want a I want a Black Label, or I want a Michelob, or a, or a, a Budweiser, or whatever, you know. And I could just put in my seventy five cents and get my beer, you know. And so, um, I I don't know if they still have that anymore because that was that was back in eighty five. But so anyhow, I managed to get out of of that, and uh, and then I um uh. I had a few more uh, uh, out-of-body type of experiences during that time that, that I won't necessarily get into here because they're just not as, as heavy. But I get out of the Navy, and um, once I, once I get out of the Navy, I I had a hard time adjusting to civilian life. Uh, I'll just put it like that, you know. And I went back to my hometown of Palm Desert, California, and I got a small little tiny apartment. And I'm, I'm hanging out in the apartment, but, um, I, I lost a lot of weight. I went from about being 147, which I was when I got out of the Navy. You know, I was 147 when I got out of the Navy. And within six months, I was down to about 123. And so I, so I looked like a freaking POW at five, ten and a half. Yeah, you were really you know, thin. <clears throat> yeah, I was Bone so dry. super thin. I was super thin, you know, so I looked like a tweaker and I wasn't on any drugs. I was just trying to survive. And so, but, but, uh, October was rolling around. I got out of the Navy in February and then October was rolling around. And that was always the day that me and my high school buddies would have our, um, uh, Halloween event in the Canyon or, or somewhere. We would have a Halloween party somewhere and we would all get high, you know, and drunk or whatever, you know, and, and, uh, but so we, we, uh, we decided that this year we were going to go out to the Canyon. To what we call the Sacred Canyon, which is a which is a desert canyon, just uh, it, it, it's a little bit southeast of uh, of Salt Lake of, of of not Salt Lake, but um the Salton Sea, and so uh, we we meet out there. You know, we, we all we drive out there, and um and that's where things get really weird because um well I'm waiting. Let's bring it. All right, so we all Go had costumes. 
we all have costumes on, okay? And the way that I dressed is, is I had on full battle fatigues, like, like military battle fatigues, boots, hat, you know, blouse, pants, everything. And, um, and I even had my face painted in camouflage war paint, you know, um, and, 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 and not, I'm talking an excellent job. Like, like my face paint was perfect. It was, it was beautiful. And I also had, I also had my parrot. My parrot's name was Richard Nixon. He was a Nande Conyer. He was very loud, but he stayed on my shoulder all the time. I would, I would ride my bicycle with him on my shoulder doing wheelies with him up and down the roads in Palm Desert all over the place. Amazing. You know. People would see me, you know, I'm, a, I'm just a freak. But anyhow, so, uh, when, when, um, my friend Steve had, uh, had drove his truck, he had, um, he had brought some supplies in the back, including a five gallon sparklets water bottle full of water and then an ice chest full of beer and ice and food. You know, and stuff like that. And so we're in the middle of this desert canyon and there's all of a sudden all these bees, they started coming, man, from out of nowhere, man. I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere and, and all of a sudden all these bees started coming looking for the water and they're trying to get into the water bottle. And then not only that, but they were landing on, on me and they were landing on us. And, um, and my friend was kind of freaked out because he's allergic to bees. If one of them stung him, he'd go into anaphylactic shock. But when they were landing on me, for some reason, it was making me feel really good. I mean, it made me feel really calm. These bugs, you know, that were all over me. Uh, and, and there weren't that many. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there were, there were bees and they were on me. And, um, and I thought, man, this, they're making me feel so, but the sun was going down. And as the sun went down, the bees started going away. And then the feeling in the atmosphere became a lot more unsettling because a, a, a few of my friends were into some, some darker stuff, you know, um, even one was, was it admitted, you know, um, Satanist. And so. Is, and, and they were in, they were in very devilish costumes. You know, I, I was a soldier, but, but they were dressed as, as, um, as demons, you know, or, or some kind of boogeyman, you know, one was a, one was more like an elf or a leprechaun or something like that, you know, which wasn't, which wasn't real scary. But so the bees went away and then all of a sudden, um, I became nervous. And, and as the sun went down, we lit a, we lit a campfire in the middle of the canyon and the, the sides of this canyon just go straight up. It's a narrow canyon and the, and the rock walls just go straight up and there's a few scant bushes around, you know, but, um, and there's, there's sand there. And then so people would come, you know, uh, there was literally like, there's, there's like, um, there's tourist, uh, attractions where, where you can go to and you can ride a vehicle. You know, or, or, or join a caravan full of people that go into this canyon. And so we're all in there and we had the place decorated like Halloween because it was Halloween night. So I mean, so this is, this is kind of like the perfect Halloween story in a way, but this is, this is Halloween night, 1989. And, 
and so these people start coming up the canyon. They're, they're what they stop their truck and they all get out, you know, and they start walking up. And when they get to us and we had our, they saw our video cameras, you know, at, at that time, which were huge, you know, and, and, and the decorations we'd put up and they ask us, are you guys from Hollywood? And we're like, no. And they're just like, man, you, you should be because this place looks like freaking Hollywood. You know, I mean, this is super, super creepy. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, my buddies, my best friends, these are all my best friends and, and they're up to, there's some kind of skullduggery going on here that I don't understand. You know, I've been away for a long time, but I've always kind of envisioned this kind of apocalypse, you know, or, or, or confrontation happening. And so I, um, I was sitting there and I'm thinking, I am, I am a soldier of God. I am a soldier of God. That's exactly what I was thinking. And then all of a sudden I looked down and my fingertips had like, there were like these, these tiny little flames that were coming off of my fingertips. They were purple. They were like, they were like iridescent purple flames. They were coming off of my fingertips. And they were coming out of my skin. It was like, it was like the best way to describe it would be an electric, purple, fluorescent, neon, liquid vapor, you know, that is, that is just kind of slowly exuding out of my skin. And then I, and then, and then it kind of started to spread. It was almost like the matrix, you know, where he, op- he tries to open his mouth, you know, but then, <clears throat> It started, it started becoming more prevalent. It, 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 it spread up my arms. It was, it, it got on my legs and it was also on all the, all the bushes on the, on the, uh, on the horizon where the, where the, um, where the mountains meant the, meant the sky. It was, it was everywhere. It was on my bird, you know, it was on the people around me and it was on Lisa because Lisa, um, was my buddy's girlfriend. And she was a sexy vampirus, you know, and, and so she's standing over there next to the fire. And that might have been actually when I first saw it because she was raising her arms up above her head and she had this, this crazy cape on, you know, that made her kind of look like a bat, you know, or whatever. And, and, uh, as she raised her arms up, I could see the fire on her. And so I, uh, I decide, you know, I'm getting very, very uncomfortable. And things aren't, you know, I, I don't like this at all. So I need to leave. I need to, I need to actually get the heck out of here. But the sand was really deep. And so I tell my buddy Steve, I says, look, man, um, I'm out of here. I'm, 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 I'm leaving. And he's like, dude, man, if you think that you're going to let me leave, man, in this kind of condition, you know, you're out of your mind, you know. And so I'm just like, and so now I thought the wink was in. It's like, man, they really, you know, they want to sacrifice me or whatever. And so. Were you sober I, I, when this happened, Patrick? Uh, I had not had any beer, um, or, or, or anything. There, there, there were other substances that, that, that did take place. Um, but I, I can't discuss that because it's too, because I, I don't want, because even, because you'll find out that even if that, even if that is the case, that it doesn't matter because the results in the end are true and real. The results They're still are the, the same. Only, yeah. The the results are the only thing that matters. So I I I jump in my car and I I 
I tear out, you know, because my car, it was just a little, it was a Datsun uh, GX310, which was front wheel drive, just a tiny little Datsun. And I, I managed to pull out of the sand. The sand was deep and I got out and I, I got down the canyon, maybe a quarter or a half of a mile. And then I stopped and I sat there in the dark. I mean, is, go ahead. No, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So I, I stopped and I sat there in the dark. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm looking at my hands and, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting, you know, I don't have my car, the, the lights on the inside were broke. So I had no dashboard lights. I had no interior lights. I had not, no, no kind of interior light at all, but yet I could still see, I could see my hands. I could see the perimeter of the dashboard. I could see the steering wheel. I could see where the windshield was around. I could see all the bushes outside because they were all on fire. They were all on this purple fire. That I did not have, I had no idea what was going on, but I felt different. Something was happening, but I kept thinking, I am a soldier of God, and and I'm I'm going to I'm going to uh, uh you know I, I I don't know, but anyhow, so is is I I left I, I finally I got the courage, you know, and my bird, you know, even even the bird that was on my shoulder that that I shouldn't be able to see, I could see it perfectly. I could see my 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 parrot on my shoulder and uh and so I drive home and after I get home uh all I wanted to do was jump in the shower so I jump in the shower and I stayed there for 3 days right more or less i mean i came out you know maybe to eat or to something like that you know but i i went right back in and i had all my lizards because I, at the time i had a menagerie of 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 birds and lizards and i just threw them all in the shower with me and i just stayed there for for days okay and then when i got out uh all i wanted to do was to see a priest i was like oh my god i i've got to see a priest and so uh, the Catholic Church where, where I grew up at, which is called Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Palm Desert, um, where I was an altar boy and where John Kennedy has a pew there that, that is embossed, uh, in, in brass or some other metal, you know, that lets everybody know that he actually sat in that spot. And I used to go and sit there. Uh, but I, uh, sorry, man, I've lost, but, my goodness. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I totally lost it because I, I started talking about John Kennedy and, and, uh, but okay. So, yeah, okay. So I go back down to the church and then, um, they have, they have a separate place from the church that's for, for the monks to live in for the, or for the, for the, the church workers or, or whatever, you know. And so I show up there at like some ungodly hour in the morning and I start pounding on the door. And some monk answers, you know, finally. And, uh, and I, I tell him my story, you know, or what's going on. And the only thing that he has to say to me that I can remember is that variety is the spice of life. And that's the only thing that I can remember him saying it all. And so I, I fell out, I fell out from the Catholic church shortly after that. I mean, I, I, um, I had, um, Run-ins, uh, with, with some other, you know, because I, I started reading the Bible very heavily for like maybe 14 hours a day, you know, before that happened. But leading up to that. 14 hours a day? Why, why were you reading the Bible for that long? 
because I was under a lot of stress because, because I went from 147 pounds to 123 pounds and life was very uncertain. And I was always religious anyway, you know, and, and so I, I just started reading it and, uh, and trying to absorb as much as I could out of, out of that book. And then I, uh, uh, months later, you know, after the incident, you know, where I saw the violet fire, um, I, I decided to go to a, I had nothing to do. It was like in the summertime, I was alone. The, the, the city was boring at the time. And so I just started, uh, uh, there was like a seminar for some preacher that was downtown uh, and at the Irwan Hotel, and his name was Philip Davis or something like that, or I don't remember his name. I think it was Philip, but he was a preacher, and I didn't know this, but he was a Seventh Day Adventist. So I went, and then during the, it was like a five day seminar over five days, and I went every night, and he basically, uh, he he destroyed, you know, um, uh, the 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 Catholic uh, ideology that I had been embedded in and, and, and because he, he says, you know, go ahead and walk over to your calendar and, and look at it and tell me what the seventh day of the week is. And you look at the seventh day of the week is Saturday, you know, and it's like, that has never changed. That has been the same from, from the beginning to now. And so, and so, and all these, and so I realized at that time, that I've been fed a bunch of bovine scatology my whole life. And I, and, and from that point on, I never believed anything, you know, that I, that I had been bred to, to believe. And so, um. Yeah, I understand. I would feel the same way so, if I were you. So a, a few days, a few weeks, a few years later, um, my, um, my friend commits suicide, the one that was in the canyon with me. And he killed his girlfriend, who was also in the canyon, canyon with me, the seductive, uh, uh, vampires. And, uh, you know, and so I, I had to move and I moved to, um, I moved to East LA. I got a break. My mom and my uncle gave me a break and got me into school to become a respiratory therapist where my uncle was the teacher. And while going to school, uh, with, uh, with my uncle, um, there was another student who, who became a friend of mine. And, you know, I was, there's just a whole lot of stuff that goes on in between here and there. And I'm just trying to keep it as short as possible. But he, um, he came up to me one day because he, he saw that I was distressed, you know, or that I was, I was having some kind of a spiritual crisis. And he says, Hey man, um, I think I might have what you're looking for. And if you're interested, you know, um, I'll share it with you. And I'm just like, you know, oh, dude, I'll, I'll take anything. And so he hands me this book and he says, I can't give this to just anybody. You have to ask for it. And so I'm just like, dude, give it to me. He hands me this book called the I am discourses pr- printed by the St. Germain press. And he says, this is, this is the third, this is the third volume out of out of 13 volumes or whatever and uh, and I couldn't I couldn't get you the first one because my dad had had put it somewhere else and I couldn't find it or something like that but it doesn't matter this is one is all you need and so I take the book and I I open it and 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 when I open the cover on the inside of the front cover is 
a picture. It's called the chart. And, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a painting made by an artist named May DeCamera who, and, and it depicts a lower being and a higher being. And around the lower being, there is this cylinder of this purple fire that is around this, this, this figure. And I'm just like, what the heck is that? And he says, Oh, that's the, that's the violet consuming flame. And I'm like, well, what, what the heck is that? You know, and he says, well, that's, that's the key to making your ascension. That's how Jesus made his ascension. That's how anybody that's ever made their ascension in the history of earth or the history of ever, of ever or anywhere has ever made their ascension. They have used the violet consuming flame. And I thought, my God. I've been set up. I have been absolutely set up. I've been guided because there is no way that I can personally deny the existence of this flame because not only did, did, did I see it, but it made me feel different because when I was in the shower, I closed my eyes. It was like there was a straw. All I could see it, it or describe it as is like somebody had taken a frickin' straw and stuck it into my forehead, and they were sucking out all these evil demons, all this evil stuff, you know. And and uh, and that's exactly what the violet consuming flame is. Is is it? It will it will dissolve all this stuff. And so the fact that it had that effect on me and and uh, has no relevance, you know, to to any substances that might have been ingested on that night, because what's real is real. And this this was this is 100 percent real, unless, of course, um, I'm a victim of a V2K and the and the image was just simply put into my head, you know, and, and which, which which these other victims are uh these, you know, the, the, I, I speak to so many people that have voice to skull technology that I cannot uh, disregard um, the possibility that this is this was an induced vision. Uh, but but I don't believe so because of of the physical effects that it had on me. And, uh, you know, I'm you know, I, I don't know where else to go from here other than I got totally sidetracked from my original intention of, of talking about the targeted individuals. It sounds like you were a targeted individual. Uh, uh, I, I, I might have been, you know, I, I, I might so. be now. I might be now, you know, I, I don't know because my life is not good. Um, it's, 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 uh, I mean, well, I mean, it, I guess relatively, it's not as good as I would like it to be. It's not as good as I think it should be. Um, but, but I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line is that, is that, is it, say I'm walking down the street, okay? And I see a crime taking place. I see somebody getting mugged or raped or shot or, or victimized in any way. You know, if, if I just walk by, if I just turn my head and walk by, then, then that would make me an absolute scumbag in my own eyes. And I don't want to be a scumbag in my own eyes. I want to be a hero. I want to be somebody that makes a difference. I want to help these people. Um, and, and I could die at any time, you know, and it's better. It would be better, you know, if, if they decide to come and get me, you know, then, then, then come and do it. But, you know, I would be better. I would be better off dead almost than than I am right now. Understood. So, yes. I mean, it's just like because this is coming down. This is something that's that's happening all around us. People are ignoring it, and 
And, and while it grows exponentially, it's, it's growing out of control. It's like the Antifa movement, you know, I mean, people, you know, or, or, or any, any other movement, you know, and, and the thing is, the other thing that I get from these people that I've interviewed, is that they see that the people that are actually doing the actual harassment, that they're just low-level scumbags. These people, they're not they're not the high-level people. They're just people that are getting paid their sandwich and a place to sleep for the night. You know, is is all they're really getting out of it. Is as far as they, they these other people can tell, and and some of them get pretty rowdy. Um, I had a guy. Uh, his name is Chance Smith. And he, he doesn't mind me using his name, but his name is Chance Smith, and he he literally located one of these devices on a pole outside of his house somewhere. He goes out with his pickup truck and 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 throws a rope over the thing and literally rips it off of the pole while almost ripping the entire pole down itself. And then and then he has uh, 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 an expert come and and analyze the uh, the schematics of the device and find out that it is indeed a, a directed energy weapon. So, I mean, and there's just all these people, this other woman that I talked to, she has undergone a lifetime of satanic ritual abuse. Uh, the other guy that I talked to, he, um, he invented a helmet, uh, that to, to shield him from this radiation. The right, other guy right, that I right. talked to just today that I was referred to by chance Smith, He's actually invented a a bed that he can crawl into made out of freaking chicken wire and screen and and a, and a sleeping bag and stuff just so that he can get some sleep. So there are people out there that are going to this measure. They're going to these extremes, you know, to try to get some peace of mind because there's something out there that's messing with them that nobody wants to give any credence to. Nobody wants to turn... You know, everybody just turns a blind eye to it. And I literally had a, uh, a a friend of mine that I've known for for over 15 years now who's who's uh, one of the leaders of the local SWAT team. And he came in. He came into where I work uh, just yesterday. And I, I says, hey, man, it would be really cool if you guys had a special victims unit. And he's like, why is that? And I says, well, because of the targeted individuals. And so I started kind of going into the story a little bit, and he totally clammed up. I mean, it was just like the look on his face was just like, oh, God, oh, don't even, don't even talk about this. And so that's why. That's why I'm getting scared. That's why I have cold feet, you know, about going in, into this whole thing and exposing this and posting these videos on my, uh, on my, on my bit shoot page and on Facebook because I'm getting shut down anyways. I mean, nobody's probably ever going to see this video because it's associated with me and they've, they've already, they've already kind of put the, the choke on me. Anything that I post. I mean, you might be able to post it, and 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 people might be able to see it. But when I post it, nobody's going to see it. No, almost nobody. You know, so incredible. And yeah, Patrick, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. But uh, as much as I want to get into things with you here further on the program, I have to further carry out the other segment of the program here. But I, I do invite you to. Stay here if, if that's what you want to do. You no, know, th- there can always be another episode, Michael. 
you know, I mean, we can always return and 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 carry on the conversation at, at any time. Yeah, no problem. Well, since I have you on here, I think it'd be fine to just go over what I was going to talk about. And okay. I, I think you yeah. could definitely jump in here. One of the things that I was going to get into here, if that's if you were going to bail. But since no, no, I'm not. I'm not going to bail. I'm. I'm here. I'm okay, good. no problem. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off so soon. I do want to go over oh. all, all these things with you, but we are coming to a close here, and I definitely have to get into this next bit. So definitely, I want you to stay here, and uh, I'll get your reaction here. Um, one of the things that happened this week was, of course, Megan Kelly's run has finally ended, and I'm not even surprised she she um, has any sort of gig, especially once you leave Fox News. Your career is basically over. Um, Patrick, I know you've been paying attention to all that as well. Megan Kelly's run finally ending. Well, you know, I, yeah. I have not really kept that that close in tune with what Megan Kelly is up to. I, I, honestly, I, I haven't. Um, I, I know that she's a Fox News reporter, and, and, and if you say just the tiniest thing, you know, that's, that, that could be considered abrasive or that they could construe as being abrasive, then they'll hang you from the highest tree. Oh, yeah. But very surprised if she got any gig as soon as she left Fox News. That's kind of um, what happens to most of the anchors over there on Fox News. Once they actually split from that network, it seems like they can, they can never actually find a permanent home. Well, maybe maybe they can maybe she can find a home at L and M Radio. Oh, oh my! <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Zing! My Sorry. goodness! But yeah, um, interesting enough, she is gone, and uh, you know she was making so much money, so I, I find it kind of dumb that she would make any sort of comment to jeopardize her her great gig she had there. But maybe maybe she didn't. You know, maybe she just said something normal, and they they turned a, a, a molehill into a mountain. Well, that's what they did. Yeah, that, that, that's what I think. That's what I think happened. If she's on this side, you know. And the other thing that you know that, that I would like to, to talk about in the future yeah, would be Lucy's would be Lucy's trust, you know, and and the United Nations, and that Lucy's trust is actually the. Uh, the disseminating body um, of of the United Nations. They are the it is the religious wing. It is the official religion of the United Nations. Lucis Trust, which was originally founded as Lucifer Trust, and uh, and so it was founded by Alice Bailey. She invented the whole thing, and it's it was just it's just meant to be uh, uh, the devil. I, I guess I mean there's no other way to put it. You know I mean. Uh, the, there, there are certain aspects of of um, of New Ageism, you know, that I am in line with. Right. Uh, but but there are, but there are others that I am not, and I am not in line with anything that the United Nations Nazi Security Council and genocide slash war machine has to say. Anything that they are up to, I am I am at the total opposite of anything that the United Nations has to offer, say, or do in any way. I'm with you on that one. And, of course, the whole pipe bomb suspect, Caesar Sayoc, registered Republican. Yeah. Um, what, what do you have to say about him? You know, I, I don't know yet because I've just seen the headlines, and the headlines are all just a bunch of, just a bunch of scrap. So, so far, yeah. I would have to so agree I, with you. So, so I, I don't know what to believe yet. 
I need, I need, in order to make an assessment, I actually need to, uh, listen to what other people are saying about it, you know, and, and, uh, and people that know more than me because I, 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 I'm so, in, I'm so absorbed with what I'm doing now and these targeted individuals that, that I'm, I'm kind of isolated from a lot of this, uh, this outside news that's coming because this is intense. You know, um, <clears throat> there's, there's, there's such an incredible crime going on right now around all of us that nobody seems to see and that the people that do see it are pushed off into the corner like they're some kind of a freak, you know, like they, uh, um, like they don't matter, like they're crazy, you know, and you just go over there, you sit over into the corner and suck on your thumb, you know, uh, that's, that's the way that they treat the people that have a real story, have a real story. And that's what they're going to think until they're finally a victim, you know, until, until finally nobody believes what they have to say, you know, and when they're being a targeted individual, you know, right on, and, man. And, and, yeah. You know, and 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 it just gets so much deeper. I mean, I haven't even scratched the surface because if you've heard even just a tenth of of what I've heard from these people, you would be you would be scared out of your pants because it it scared me out of my pants. You know, and and I, I literally I thought when I came onto the show tonight, uh, two nights ago, when I knew that I was going to come onto the show, I thought, well, I'm going to go onto the show and I'm going to tell them that I can't talk about it. I'm going to tell them that, that or, or, or I'm going to tell them that this is the last time that I talk about it. But I talked to somebody today that gave me a little bit more courage, you know, and, um, his name is, is Tim Speaks. Tim Speaks. So if you look up Tim Speaks on Facebook and he wants people to know his name, he told me today, he says, look, if you ever make a video of me, I want you to use my real name because I'm not hiding from anybody. You know, and, and so he's got balls and he said, he told me, he says, you are the first person that I have ever spoken to to support us that is not a targeted individual himself, at least that I know of, you know, but so, um, you know, I found that as a great compliment, uh, coming from him. I talked to a woman from, uh, Vancouver, Canada that hosts a couple of uh, uh, Facebook pages about targeted individuals. Her name is Jeanette Abibi, and and she had the most amazing accent. I mean, I talked to her for maybe an hour, and um, and, and her voice was so amazing, but and and just so sexy, you know. But then it goes into where she starts talking about this horror, you know, and and, and these horrible stories about her just being brutalized and. And, and, and tortured and, and, and raped and, and everything that goes along with it. I mean, just all just the horrible things. And that, and that's just the common denominator of all these people that I've talked to. Good Lord. Uh, that, 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 that they're all being, you know, they wake up, this woman wakes up with a black eye. She wakes up with bruises all over her <laughs> she body. She wakes up with black eyes. That's not a good sign. No, it's not a good sign, and it's not like it's not like she tripped and fell and ran into the doorknob as she was going to bed or anything like that. It's like she wakes up with a black eye. These other the guy and the guy um, um, that I talked to just a little while ago um, from California, he's saying that shoot man, he can be he can just be walking along, man, and 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 the the electronic uh, beam will hit him and literally flip him upside down 
with the amount of force that it has and shock him to the point to where he's he's actually crippled. He's just laying there on his back, you know. Um, uh, this, this is the kind of, you know, uh, Wayne Mamby that I originally interviewed, he gets a slow static uh, 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 accumulation of static electricity that causes his, his blood pressure to go up. But these other people have much more uh, severe um, and acute things like where they just get freaking zapped with either some kind of a laser beam from a drone that's burning their skin, you know, through their pants or um I mean, it just it just goes on and on and on. Right on, Patrick. Well, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. I'll definitely touch base with you again in the near future, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. No problem. Take care. And there he goes, Patrick White. Great guest, a very great guest. And, of course, so many people still talking about this mail bomb suspect. Questions are coming in here still about this. I'm not quite sure what to make of all this, to be honest with you. Of course, he worked as a bouncer in some strip clubs, according to his cousin. And I got to say, I worked at a nightclub before, and I hated the owner. Just hated that guy. He was a real piece of shit. For all intents and purposes, I suspected he was an alcoholic and a cokehead. And by the end of it, I realized that only one of those things were true. Regardless, I definitely had fun, and it really isn't a gig I'd recommend anyone to have. And I'm not a big guy by any means, but I look like someone who would stab you in the neck. And I think that was well perceived, no doubt. That was such a long time ago, another lifetime ago, really. I'm sorry to mention that here, but it's so much fun to reminisce every blue moon. Now, in terms of uh, that gentleman here with the pipe bomb or lack of an actual exploding device, regardless, that's kind of uh, messed up here, folks. I'm not exactly sure what this uh, gentleman was thinking. Was it real? Was it not? All sorts of people pointing fingers still. He is a great example of what I tell all of you out there, that politics has almost become the new religion for some individuals. Amazing. It really is. Now, I do want to thank all of you for joining me here tonight. I wasn't quite sure we would even get the YouTube stream going. Quite surprised. I really am. I definitely want to thank those in the chat room and those who are listening on the live stream. That's on TuneIn. Really do appreciate all of you out there. And, of course, the great folks at deprogrammedradio.com got some heat there. But that's how it goes. Don't forget, if you missed last week's show, you can check it out on YouTube or on the TuneIn Radio app. All that is there. I certainly hope you enjoy tonight's program. It's always fun. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, if you can just see it, it's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hulk right now. It's crazy. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the first thing, then you got an info about it. You go, you know, you're up at the, I'll bring you my, I'll bring you my, I'll bring you my, I'll bring
Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you both that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfucker? Successful victory.